Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. Welcome, everyone, to the spotlight here on Fightful. I am Jeremy Lambert. That is Steven Jensen. And shout out to Big Dick MLJ. As always, for the intro, it is 8.30 on a Thursday, November 16th. It is early. We are here. Jensen, how you doing, buddy? Yes, I'm doing good. We are here. It is early. This is the new official start time going forward um, for the spotlight, at least for the time being. It's going to be... 8.30 a.m. Eastern, so we appreciate everyone who's here nice and early with us, and then, of course, everyone who watches afterwards. I'm totally aware that most of y'all are watching the show like on demand after the fact, so for everyone that sees this, we appreciate y'all, and everyone who's up here uh, up early with us, we really appreciate y'all, too. If you're in the chat, we'll make sure to see everything you're typing. Um, if you have any super chats, we'll make sure to put them on the screen. We'll read them out. We'll answer your questions, all that good stuff, too, like always, but just due to my... Uh, you know, my shoot job uh, changed a little bit recently. I just got to uh, do the show a little bit earlier on Thursdays. And luckily, Jeremy's able to move the show up with me. And we can keep on doing it for you guys just like normal, just a little bit earlier in the day. So, but I'm doing good, man. I'm actually surprisingly awake this morning. So, oh, I'm not. I got my coffee <coughs> here to try to get a little bit more awake. Um, hey, you know, I'm used to doing the early shows, but 830 is now the earliest show that 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 i do uh if you are in the chat yes you can leave a, a super chat or just a regular comment we we interact with the chat whether it's uh you give us money or you don't um if you yeah. are here live or if you're watching on demand leave us a thumbs up on the video and subscribe to the channel if you have not done that for anybody who is potentially new since we are doing a a time change here maybe i'll give a rundown of what we actually do on this show I would like to cover a little bit of everything in the world of professional wrestling. We cover WWE, we cover AEW, 
We cover what's called our other category, which is typically something like ROH, Impact, New Japan. And we have the Indies, which is the Indies. Uh, so we cover a little bit of everything. We pick something that stood out to us from the week or maybe something that is going to stand out to us from the, the week ahead and, and talk about it uh, again from, from those categories. And we have an interview. Sometimes we interview uh, content creators and sometimes we interview professional wrestlers. Like today, we have an interview with one half of Violence is Forever, one half of the GCW Tag Team Champions, Dominic Garini. We spoke to Dominic for about an hour. It's his second time he's been on with us. Very gracious at this time. Very insightful when it comes to pro wrestling as well. So that'll air at about 10 a.m. Eastern for everybody. So that is a rundown of kind of what you can expect if you are uh, new to the show here at 8.30 in the morning. Uh, for those who have been with us for over a year and a half now, something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. I mean, yeah, we started this. Well, we started the show. So I started my shoot job in April of 2022. So I'm pretty sure we started the show. We started, yeah, we started the show not long before that. Because um, we, yeah, because we originally were doing like random, like 5 p.m., 3 p.m., just really whenever we could get on the main channel and it made sense for both of us and then uh yeah i mean it's been fun doing the morning show though man like i mean i'm definitely not a morning person but like i don't know it's cool that we have something early and it's cool like the people in the chat i know a lot of these these people that are like watching that are watching live or like at work or you know it's similar to me like when i when i get done doing this and i'm doing my shoot job when I'm slower, like throughout the day and stuff, like, or I always have something like on in the background, I'm usually watching podcasts or listening to podcasts. I actually, I actually throughout my work day yesterday, I watched um, the rock on Joe Rogan, for instance, you know, just like, oh, yeah. So there was a whole lot there. Um, So, uh, but it's one of those things where like, I think it's really cool that there's people that are awake this early that, you know, they can kind of join us and kind of get their, their, you know, first few hours of their day kicked off with us. So um a shock really quickly i will mention i'll put this on the screen for you guys <clears throat> i am wearing a vikings jersey y'all know i'm a big skull vikings lifelong vikings fan we should have justin jefferson back soon i'm wearing his jersey right now but yeah the josh dobbs stuff is uh is nuts it's absolutely nuts i'm somebody who is very 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 afraid of life without kirk cousins i have been for the last few years i love kirk i'm a huge kirk fan and i've lived through an entire lifetime of like I had some good quarterbacks early on, like like Randall Cunningham and Dante Culpepper for like a few years. And we had like one really good year out of Brett Favre, one out of two of his years. It was really good with us. Outside of that, though, it's been like, <clears throat> rest in peace, Tavares Jackson. It's been like Christian Ponder and like having to get guys like Donovan McNabb and, and Josh Freeman and Sam Bradford. And just been this a mess for decades. And I was really afraid of life without Kirk Cousins. Because Kirk, I, in my opinion, is way – I think Kirk Cousins is the best quarterback the Vikings have ever had outside of maybe like Fran Tarkington, which was like before my time. And wow, we're not – no Dante Culpepper slander. No, listen, I love Dante, but his people forget his run was pretty short because he got injured so so frequently. And his – it's just one of those things where his run just didn't last very long. Like Kirk Kirk is consistent. And anyway, I, I, I love Dante. Don't get me – I actually have a Dante Culpepper signed football literally behind the computer. I, I love Dante. But <clears> – <throat> but – it's just one of those things where I was really afraid of them drafting a, a bad quarterback or, or trading for someone that was worse than Kirk or something or other. Cause we have this great team around him with all these great players and Josh Dobbs is proving it's, it's life's possible without Kirk cousins. Like I, I don't know if Dobbs is going to be our guy going forward. It's going to depend on how he plays the rest of the year. I mean, obviously he's our guy this season, but 
after that, I don't know. But it depends on, on what he does this year and how far he brings us because he is like seven years into the league. He's a journeyman, but he has played really, really damn good. And he's clearly a genius. He's an actual rocket scientist. He's figuring out the, the offense insanely fast. It's, it's unreal what he's doing. Um, but now, it, it, anyway, the long story short on that is I'm, I'm actually – I'm actually okay with the idea of losing Kirk after this year if we have to. The one upside, though, for Kirk, for us, is if we want to keep him, his his leverage has come down as far as, like, he, I don't think he's going to ask for as much money to stay as he would have before this injury. So we might be able to get him at a, more of a discount if we can keep him, but I'm also more okay. It's it's nice having a, mortal, a mobile quarterback, dude. It's, it's nice having a guy like Josh Dobbs who Kirk is so used to getting – stuck in the pocket and just folding when things don't go his way. Dobbs is like breaking tackles and running for touchdowns and, and making plays happen outside the pocket and stuff. And it's just like, we haven't had that in a long, long, long time. So anyway, that's, this isn't a Vikings show, but I did have a Vikings question off the top. So I uh, want to let you guys know that that's how I'm feeling about Josh Dobbs and the Vikings right now. We won, we won like five games in a row too. So it's pretty wild that the, that the, the, the analysts and everyone, the McAfee's of the world and stuff are now calling the Vikings the hot team in the NFL when just five weeks ago, everyone was writing us off, telling us we needed to to pack it in. We needed to start trading away all of our players. We needed a tank for a, a, a good draft pick. And now they're talking about us being contenders all of a sudden. So it's full Vikings. Football doesn't exist. Let's get into wrestling. Let's do it. Uh, over a million fans uh, and a great number in the demo tuned in. And it was a great show, and I think it's been a run of great shows. AEW Dynamite last night, the final Dynamite before AEW Full Gear this Saturday. That's right, everybody. It's a Saturday. I apparently had to remind Sean Ross Sapp of that yesterday on In the Weeds. He did not realize the show was on Saturday. It is Saturday, though. It is headlined by MJF defending the AEW world title that he does not have possession of against Jay White. Other matchups include Swerve Strickland and Hangman Page. That promo battle last night was something else. Uh, I don't even know if it's a promo battle. It was just Hangman going in on Swerve. Um, we also got Young Bucks against Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho. John Moxley, Orange Cassidy uh, for the AW International title. Tony Storm against Akar Shida. Chris Statlander defending against uh, Red Velvet. In, or not Red Velvet, sorry, Sky Blue and uh, Julia Hart. The four-way match for the tag team titles. What stands out to you on this show, Jensen? So... Definitely, you know, I'm I'm a bit biased here, but I'm always like whenever Sting's on AEW pay-per-view, I'm always like really excited because you know he's gonna show out and he's gonna like jump off the balcony or something. And I love the little like <clears throat> the, uh, the little like video vignettes and stuff that they do before his his entrances and stuff with Darby for these pay-per-views and stuff. So I'm really looking forward to Sting, Darby, and Ed Adam Copeland. Uh, versus Christian Cage, Luchasaurus, and, and Nick Wayne. I think that'll be a really fun match. And I'm legitimately not sure who's going to win. Like, um, I, I think it'll be Sting, Darby, and, and Copeland. But I, I love, and obviously, I, I think like the, like Nick Wayne could probably take the pin there, or the submission there. But I love what they're doing with Christian and this patriarchy group. But I hope they can figure figure like ways of adding more people into that soon and stuff. Um, <clears throat> but it's one of those things where like. I, I I won't go too much in on that match. I I, I am looking forward a lot to this six man tag match personally. Um, I, I thought last night when Hangman uh, said he was going to take Prince Lana's weed, that was really funny. That was a good line. 
Um, I think that'll be a good match too. I mean, it's a Texas I mean, death match. Yeah, Texas death match. Yeah. So, and we know that Swerve. I mean, if y'all, if y'all want to check out the, uh, I believe they called it the Weapons of Mass Destruction match. I could be wrong about that, but it was that match that they did in Lucha Underground that became so famous when he was kill shot against Ar Fox back when he was called Dante Fox on that show. So, if you've even just seen that match, you know that Swerve can go in these type of situations. And we've seen Hangman do it, you know, you know, throughout his AEW run as well. So I think that's going to be a really good matchup. Um, as far as other stuff, like I'm really not that excited for Orange Cassidy or Sean Moxley, but I think it'll be like a really good match. Like both guys rule. Um, and I'm guessing Moxley will probably win to kind of like right the ship there, like get that title back and pick back up where they were, where they left off when he accidentally lost the title when he got hurt to, uh, in that match with Phoenix. But outside of that, like, honestly, well, and we talked about it a, a lot last week, but, you know, Golden Jets versus Young Bucks, I'm looking forward to because I think it'll be a really good match. Um, but, like, the story and the setup's a little weird. Although it is it is funny, the Young Bucks, I think it was Nick Jackson, like, said, like, commented yesterday or the day before on someone's Instagram post, and they were like, yeah, someone was saying, like, yeah, this is a weird, like, build that's kind of basically saying, like, we, like, why is this on the pay-per-view? And Nick was like, well, it was either this or we weren't on the show at all. So that's such a <laughs> such a weird <clears throat> comment of like, wait, you have no there was nothing else to do. You're the number one contenders for the tag team titles, which everyone seemed to forgot until a couple weeks ago. And it was you have to do this match or you're not on the show at all. It was a very weird comment. Yeah, it 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 was. Cause they also like it was reported that the Young Bucks recently re-signed, right? Like the whole elite recently re-signed. Oh, that's yeah, that, that was so, confirmed. That's not reported. That's a, that's a thing. Well, I'm so, was, well, I, I, regardless, yeah, I did whatever term I just used. I, I guess I just wanted to make sure that they were they because part of me too is like, are, yeah, the Young Bucks. I'm, I'm, I think it's something worth monitoring the Young Bucks in AEW situation just for whatever it's worth. It doesn't unless unless this is. It could very well be storyline based and like, you know, maybe, I don't know. Cause we still don't know who like the devil is and the people involved in that. And like, maybe there's something there. In that. I mean, I don't know. I don't think so either. Like that isn't who I expect it to be. I'm just saying like, it, it is like Jeff, like Jeff Valley driver said, he says, he says, I feel like they're working people. And I kind of feel the same way. Cause if they aren't, then like there might be some real problems there. I'm not going to bring CM Punk into this and go into all that, that, that whole rabbit hole, but I don't know if that messed up anything between them and maybe some people there too. Like when like, you know, they were getting in fights with him and stuff. I think like, I don't, I have no idea. Um, but it is weird. It's weird how lost in the mix they become for a team who's supposed to be the number of contenders who are EVPs in the company. I mean, they just announced their match for their, uh, their California show just like the other day with hardly any like, now, granted, we were interviewing Dom during part of the show yesterday, so I don't know if they if they like hyped it up more or not on Dynamite, but they used to make a really big deal out of the Young Bucks wrestling in California for AEW, and now it's just kind of like, yeah, the wrestling Pentagon again, and since Phoenix is, isn't there, I guess it's going to be Commander instead. It's like, I've seen the Young Bucks wrestle Pentagon a, a trillion times at this point. Like, you can't come up with anything different. Like, like, the, like those fans specifically in California have seen that a thousand times. You know, like, so... Anyways, and then the main event, I think Jay White versus MJF is going to be really, really good. Um, I'm not as hyped for it as I, I as I feel like I probably should be, but I think Jay White has done a really good job. Like I, I think he's he's done a really good job in AEW, and 
I understand why he's in the position he's in in every company he's been in. Like he's, he's a great worker. He's, he's very good on the microphone. He, he looks amazing. Obviously it's just, I, did, I, I just don't see him beating MJF. I guess that's really my only, like, the only reason I'm not as hyped as I probably maybe should be is I just don't see him being the one to beat him. So I'm, but I am interested to see if they pay off this devil thing at the pay-per-view, you know, maybe. So, do you think they, they pay it <clears throat> off? Cause uh, Joel and I have talked about this. Joel thinks it's going to continue until world's end. I think they, they get, they got to give you something off of it. it I've seen that they maybe do a swerve at at, um, at full gear where they reveal it and then you find out on Dynamite, hey, that's not the actual devil. Um, what do you think comes of this? Because I got to say, they showed the devil last night after the Wardlow promo. Um, that's when the devil popped up. Didn't show up at the end <clears throat> of the show, which was a little confusing to me. Um, maybe not confusing, but I thought the end of the show was a little flat, honestly um you know it was just okay they laid out mjf again jay white got a visual pin on him he literally there's the balloons he literally pinned him in a tag team match what i don't need to see him do this like visual pin after he's been jumped by four dudes like he he pinned him in a tag team match i know we can beat him uh and then you know the crowd didn't seem that into it you saw samoa joe watching i thought we were gonna get some type of devil tease at the end of that show and we did it rampage is live collision is live uh this week it's up against smackdown i don't know what the viewership's going to be i think dynamite dynamite's their their most viewed show uh any week regardless so um yeah i thought there was going to be a little double tease at the end and there wasn't what do you think the or do you think there's going to be anything involving the devil and if you do what do you think it's going to be on saturday i mean i think there has to be something involving the devil on the pay-per-view i don't know if they necessarily pay it off on the on the show but there has to be, but I'm, I'm, I'm completely with you. I was, especially because MJF was advertised as like, he was the main event of the show last night in this, this promo. So like, I thought for sure the devil was showing up or something about that was showing up. Like I, I thought that was the whole reason they were, they were doing it at the end of the show. And like you said, I feel like it did fall kind of flat. Um, this is, this was the ending the show should have had a few weeks ago whenever MJF wound up scissoring with the acclaimed instead at the end. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Like they should have done this then and had MJF come off like a loser then. And maybe, I don't know if you have him scissoring with the acclaimed last night or maybe the week before. I mean, you could, I just feel like they planned this out in like the wrong order. Cause it did, it did, it did feel kind of flat. And then like Samoa Joe, I mean, at this point, like, do you expect Samoa Joe just to be the partner from JF on on the pay per view or on the pre show? Because I, it almost feels like it's too obvious to do that. But like at the same time, it's the only thing that really makes sense at this point. I'm not sure he's going to have a partner. I really yeah. don't. Like, I'm I'm not sure because you know AEW announced that he had a partner. MJF hasn't really said anything about like gonna have my partner, gonna have a partner. Like he's just kind of still going out there and doing his own thing i'm not sold that he's going to have a partner yeah yeah i mean it's possible i mean do you think that he's going to lose the title to the guns regardless no i hate that i hate that because i don't like and i know it's a tag team match but this is what i didn't like about mjf and adam cole in the 
in the pre-show at, at all in i was like well you can't pin one of these guys so you got to do some type of wacky finish or they got to win and they won which was fine and I, I feel the same way like even if it's a two-on-one match i don't i don't know how i i guess mjf has already lost in a tag team match to jay white so hey if he loses a two-on-one match to the guns okay but then he's defending the title later on in, in the pay-per-view i don't like pinning the champion and then hey what pay now you're gonna pay fifty dollars to watch him wrestle in the main event after you just watched him get <clears> pinned <throat> on free tv it's such a it's such a weird thing to me and maybe that's just me yeah. maybe i'm, I'm no that isn't just you that. no I'm the, I'm the i'm the same i was gonna say the same exact thing um you can't have mjf getting like you can't see him getting pinned in the pre-show before the pay-per-view even starts and then have him main eventing the pay-per-view as the world champion i i completely agree with that i guess my line of thought is more like what if there's a scenario where i don't know it's weird because but it's wrestling so it's like anything you can really do anything you want but like what if there's a scenario where like mjf leaves it open where he he needs a partner and like Roddy comes out or something like I like someone who doesn't even want to be his partner like in the middle of the match comes out and like and like gets the tag or like makes makes MJF tag him in and he just goes in and just loses on purpose or something like like Roddy just gets in the ring and lets the guns pin him or something like that like I don't I'm not saying that's a good idea I'm just trying to think of like anything outside of the box that they could do because they pigeonholed themselves to begin with. MJF should never have had this title on him to begin with. This Ring of Honor's high team title. I get that there was more to do between him and Cole and Cole's injury and the timing of all that. I completely get that that the plans have been totally thrown off. But this is the problem you come across when you're double booking your AEW stars on Ring of Honor, but they're never actually on Ring of Honor, but they're carrying Ring of Honor championships. It, it just it convolutes everything. And now you're in a position where you have MJF wrestling pre-shows with the tag team title he's never going to be on a show for. And you got to get these titles off of them at some point. Because they're becoming really more of a burden than, like, a prize for him. So, like, it's just bad, bad, bad booking, I guess, kind of at the end of the day. Bad idea. Unfortunate. I don't want to say bad. Unfortunate. Like, there was probably really sweet plans for MJF and, and Adam Cole as Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions of the story that, that they were going towards there. I I, I believe that the booking was – the intentions were good with it. But now they're – now it's a burden. Because every 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 pay-per-view it feels like now we're like, how are we going to get these things off of him or do something that makes sense to keep them on him, but he's never going to defend them or be on Ring of Honor. So why does he even want this belt to begin with? I think if you do... Um, oh, by the way, sorry, Jeremy. And by the way, Samoa Joe literally vacated his title last week because he didn't care about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think if you do something... So so Jeff Shelley, Jeff Feller Driver said, I'm fine with it as long as the story makes sense in the end. See, and I do think with the guns, the story can make sense, especially with everything else going on around MJF. The guns are out there. Juice is out there. I assume Juice is out there. It's basically a three-on-one there. And then, you know, if MJF loses three-on-one, well, it's three-on-one. He loses. It, it. I get that. And then it's like, oh, now the odds are stacked against MJF in the main event. You know, can he overcome the odds in the main event against Jay White? You could do a devil tease in the, in the pre-show thing. What if the devil is, the devil helps MJF against the guns? Like, we don't, we don't know. It seems like the devil's obviously against MJF, but we, 
what was the introduction of the devil? Who did he attack? Jay White. Jay White. Yeah. So it's <clears throat> not like it's necessarily that the, this devil is against him just going after MJF's people. We don't really know where the allegiance is here. He attacked Jay White. That was the introduction to him. He attacked the Acclaim. That was the other big attack. That's obviously a shot at MJF. But, um, you know, we don't know where the allegiance is with the devil. So maybe they do some type of tease where the devil helps MJF beat the guns. We... We don't know. I think they got to give you something with the devil on Saturday. I don't know if they're going to do a full reveal. Maybe one of the henchmen gets revealed, um, but they, they got to give you a little something on that. I don't, here's now what makes me wonder if they're going to do a full reveal is that they've Tony Khan has now promised this signing. He said, they've agreed to terms with one of the world's best wrestlers. They'll sign their contract at full gear. That mystery alone seems like it might be enough. Like, hey, we'll give you one mystery here, and then we'll just hold off on the other mystery. Um, so that makes me wonder if they're going to do it. Now, people have pointed out, like, Tony Khan loves the the double introduction, pointing to Danielson and Cole, Brody and Hardy. Like, he... Did I lose you for a second? Yes, am I back? Okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you're you're okay. good. You see, I lost you when you said double introductions for like Adam and Jan Danielson and Brody and uh, and Matt Hardy. Yeah. Okay. So he loves the double introduction. So maybe they do the double introduction of hey, here's a big signing. Here's the devil reveal. I don't know if the devil is going to be a new person is the only thing, but it is still it's a it's a long running thread, long running story where um, it's going to be a big reveal, big introduction type of thing so he does love that but i think when you put in the new signing portion of this i don't know if you need to fully give away the devil maybe you can hold off on that yeah that's a good point um and as far as like who the new signing is going to be do you want to speculate on that now i will say real quick though uh, the de- i like the idea of the devil being mjf's tag team partner i actually like that a lot i just or even getting help from mjf or even the devil helping mjf it's just weird I need to, you know what? I need to stop downplaying the pre-show in the in the buy-ins, though, because a lot of my mindset for this is like they wouldn't do this on the pre-show. Why is this happening on the pre-show? Blah blah. But I mean, more people are gonna want to are gonna wind up seeing that than the actual pay-per-view. It's free on YouTube. It, it is meant to get you to if you're on the fence to to literally buy into the show. So they very well could have something as big as the devil teaming up with MJF for helping him on the pre-show for this. I need to get out of my own head with thinking that things aren't going to happen just because it's on a, on a buy-in for these kind of shows. And it's it's not like, by the way, like if he teams with them, that's not the reveal right, right. there. That just is a, it's a tease for what could potentially come. Now, AEW yeah. has done a good job of making the pre-show. Look, they did the big you know, all-in was MJF and Adam Cole winning the tag team titles. And then they were going to face yeah. each other in the minivan aw does a good job of hey the pre-show actually means a little bit something um is but you shouldn't give away everything obviously in the pre-show but if the devil teases or the devil teams like oh shit the devil's teaming with mjf now what's gonna happen like i think that's a nice little tease for things i just think and when it comes to like i said i don't want to see mjf losing just to lose in the pre-show and then expect me to to pay uh fifty dollars to watch him in the main event if he just like loses a two-on-one match it's got to be a lot against him to to lose that match yeah 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 i'm with you i i mean 
I doubt they go this route, but like I feel like MJF still could be the devil. Like that, that, that that'd be crazy if like, and I'm not saying they sh- they're going to do this or that they should do this, but what if it was just like the firm this whole time again? It was like the whole like it was just like they were right back to where this started. Where like MJF's the devil, the guys in the masks are just the guys in the firm that helped them before. Um, I'm not that 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 shouldn't they should not do that. I'm going to go on record and say they shouldn't do that. But um, and then there's also the I don't know if you talked about it on in the weeds at all or not. I'm, I'm sure you guys have, but like um the coincidence of how retribution like some of this stuff is with them and how Mustafa Ali is about to be available. And it's like, what if he was in charge of, what if he was the devil? And it's like, this is just like retribution 2.0 over on AEW and all these ideas. Um, But like, as far as who's the devil, I'm honestly not sure. I'm, I'm really not. I think MJF being the devil actually would be great just because I know, I know it's, it'd be tough. Cause like we've seen him talking to him on a, on the Jumbotron, but like you could also say that was pre-recorded or whatever in, in kayfabe. The but toughest like, one. Yeah. The toughest one would be when the acclaimed got attacked because he was in the ring for that. And then the devil kind of showed themselves there. And then MJF runs to the back. Everything right. else though, like you could kind of semi, I guess the Jay white attack, he was in the ring too, wasn't he? yeah i think i think he was i think he was because that's in in the reason that is is because i i'll never forget how mjf's big thing is the whole like you know the devil whatever that line is the devil makes you believe he doesn't exist type of thing like i yeah the greatest trick the devil ever pulled is make you yeah yeah i and mjf is being such is such a baby face right now that I'm like, he, this isn't going to last forever. I, 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 I would hope people understand this. Like, I think MJF is being overly baby faced to the highest degree right now because this is not going to last very long. Like, he will turn heel again because what better when you're a guy like MJF who wants to be the most hated person in like the history of wrestling based on the way he has presented himself up to the up, up until the recent baby face run the only really like it's this, it's this strange opportunity he has because he was already such an incredible heel that really the only way he could become an even more kind of hated heel get even more heat would be to get the fans to love him and then turn on him like you know what i mean and i kind of hate that it's coming at the expense of like the like the like the role of quarter story and like these real things that really make him sympathetic that i that i very much relate to as well and stuff like that but like once again if you want to get people to hate you like get him get a whole bunch of sympathy on him and then it's like he stabs us all in the back and he's like you morons like i told y'all from day one not to trust me over and over and over again and you still trusted me you guys are so stupid you know what i mean like so <clears throat> it's uh it's just one of those things. So I feel like eventually it's all going to lead to a gigantic MGF heel run regardless. But um, I, I don't know. I, 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 and I will say this too. I think Mustafa Ali would be a good person to bring into AEW. Um, I don't know if I'd, I, I probably wouldn't have him as the devil um, for his introduction, but I was having, I was thinking like him, like as far as like a, the new signing, someone like him, Dolph Ziggler, maybe, I don't know. Who, who do you have in mind for like who this big signing could be? And, and even if it, has any kind of tie-in to the devil, like even if there is like a double reveal, like who are some of the names you're thinking? And of course, CM Punk is the big one people are talking about. I don't think it's him, but I will say that would be the big, I mean, y'all know how I feel about Phil. If he's the devil, 
I will have to come on this show and eat so much crow in front of you guys and make so many apologies. So like, um, but as a, as a fan of wrestling, he would be the best option if it, if it actually was him, but I don't think it's going to be. Yeah. They can pull. I don't think it's CM Punk. I, I don't think that they, this whole thing has been a work this entire no. well, especially they're not going to have him not do the Chicago show as a storyline. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That would be, that would be something. Um, when it comes to MJF real quickly on that, you want to really be a heel in the AEW universe, do all this, be this big time baby face for this whole run and then sign with WWE <laughs> sign WWE contract in the, in the ring. That's the, that's the CM Punk ROH storyline right there. Yes, that's how much. you really become a heel in the AEW universe. Um, <laughs> as far as the, the signing goes. So I, I tweeted this and I, I basically, I stand by this. I think my low expectation, and I'm going to keep my expectations low because how many times do we have this big announcement, important announcement, huge signing, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, oh, okay, that's like Tickets nice. are on sale for next year. Yeah. Like, okay. That's nice. But like, is that, is that really, was that, did that need to be a thing? You know, like, right. did it? Um, you know, we, we, we haven't talked about this, but the, they did the, big important announcement. it was an important announcement on dynamite and it just turned out hey all in tickets are on sale and then on saturday for collision they announced hey by the way uh here's this continental classic aw's g1 right here and brian danielson's gonna be part of it. it's like you could that could have been the important announcement and fans would have been happy with that like that would have been cool yeah. so i i don't want to get my hopes too high when it comes to this signing thing my low-end expectation is chris hero Chris Hero is returning to the ring on Friday for West Coast Pro. Um, he, I, I'm pretty sure he will be at the pay-per-view on Saturday. I've listened to a bunch of Chris Hero interviews, and but I, I'm confusing a bunch of stuff. But I think he'll be at the pay-per-view on Saturday. Regardless, West Coast Pro is in Los Angeles that 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 Friday. The show's in Los Angeles that Saturday. It ain't like it's going to be difficult for him to get there. I know Hero's been working backstage with AEW for a while, but this would be an in-ring kind of contract and you know tony khan said one of the best wrestlers in the world i think for a lot of people chris hero fits that bill and respected by you know a true professional respected by aw fans and i think chris hero fits that bill and it's for a wrestler's contract not a backstage kind of contract there so that's my low-end expectation if it's chris hero cool like it is that something to get super excited about? I think for a lot of fans, maybe not. Um, especially when my high-end expectation is Mercedes Monet. Uh, that is my my very high-end expectation. Um, so I don't know if it's I don't know if it's her. I don't want to get my expectations that high because last time we did this, David did teases for her and she never she, she was never there <laughs> right. you know the january teases where Britt baker is saying uh like bank what, whatever boss time bank on that whatever she said uh they'll basically the line that kind of cued you of like hey we're bringing a mercedes and then mercedes never came out so i don't want to get my expectations too high uh people speculating with the wwe contracts 90 days isn't up until december if they have a 30 day then okay. I don't know. I don't think anybody had a 30 day. I think everybody that was released was on a main roster talent. Even the NXT people like Ali who were, who were in NXT at the time, he was still on like a main roster deal. So I think everybody is on a 90 day um, is on a 90 day. So I'm not expecting anybody there unless Tony Khan paid out the rest of that. But I, I don't think it didn't feel like you need to do that just to try to get more attention on 
get more attention on full gear. Like, hey, I'm gonna I paid out this extra month just to bring them in at full gear. It seems like you can just wait the month. Hey, maybe maybe WWE screwed up and forgot when yeah. some of these uh, non competes were up, like they did with Malachi. Yeah, <laughs> completely. Right. Yeah, maybe that happened. Um, so I don't think it's anybody like that again. Turns out Ziggler was working like Milton from Office Space for the last like five years. <laughs> like, like he hadn't even been getting a paycheck. He just was so used to going to work over and over that they're like, wait a second. He's been a free agent for a while. I know people are saying Sammy Callahan. I've seen that uh, thrown around. Possible. Possible. He could also kind of fit as the devil. Uh, he likes to do that kind of stuff. Um, people have said Ronda Rousey. Don't feel like it's her. Really don't feel like it's her um as as the as the signing who do you think it might be jensen i mean these are all options that i would have thrown out as well um i think that i think mercedes is probably i think mercedes is probably a good pick that's probably the one i would i'd probably say is the front runner i don't want to go that high though because that's setting yourself up for disappointment well but here's the thing for well depending on who you are because like I, I'd be pretty hyped on seeing a Chris Hero signing just because it'd be cool to see. And, you know, we were watching that guy when he was on the Indies, you know, so long ago. And he was a guy who just never got that real run in the WWE. Like, he had his stints in NXT. And then, like, he basically started putting people over in NXT UK and stuff. And just, it's so wild because he started wrestling in probably, like, 1998, 1999, something like that. And... He was so he was around when WCW still existed, when ECW still existed. He was wrestling already at that time, I believe. And he's still to this day has never wrestled on Monday Night Raw, which is just so wild to me just to think about that. And so it's just one of those things where like to see him finally get a shot on like national TV would just, you know, good for him, you know. And I think it lines up perfect with West Coast Pro, him already being a, like a, a guy who helps out backstage at AEW and getting back in the ring with Thatcher this weekend. I, I, I like your low end and your high end expectations for this. And I would actually be okay with either, um, people in the chat, uh, someone keeps bringing up Mike Kyoto. He's still referees for the WWE, doesn't he? Or does he not? Uh, I could just want to just saw him on like raw, like Monday. No, I don't think so. He does this podcast and stuff now. I don't know. Really? Don't, maybe yeah. he isn't with them anymore. They still, they have, they have maybe Chad Patton still there. Maybe that's who I saw the other day. They still have some of these referees that have been for, that have been there forever um anyways that's that's a that's random that's it's not gonna be him but um people are saying will osprey i think they're gonna have to wait until like february on him i i don't i mean yeah osprey's done up till february i don't think it's i don't think it's osprey in in this scenario that contract i mean i guess he could sign but his, his yeah. new japan deal is not up till february so i don't think it's it's that yeah, Matthew Hook says Shibata could officially sign. That would be a little anticlimactic just because we already see him in Ring of Honor. We already know he's a... I mean, but I get what you're saying, and I love Shibata, you know, but um, that'd, that'd be kind of like signing... Um, like, if they would have held off announcing... Um, um, why am I blanking? Abushi. Well, they, they oh, announced right. Abushi yesterday. Like, you know, they gave him the graphic. The, like... I'm glad that I'm glad AEW didn't do that. I'm glad they didn't like wait until Saturday and they're like, we're making a massive sign. Then it's a bushy. And it's like, Oh, we thought he was already signed. Like, Oh, okay. Like he was already here. Um, so I don't, I don't know. There's a lot of, there's a lot of good options though, but there's also, we've had some dud. We've had some dud announcements in AEW also. So like, I, 
I don't know, man. I love, I love Tony Khan and I love giving him the benefit of the doubt. But sometimes when he gets up there in front of that camera and starts talking in that microphone, I get really nervous. So I, yeah, I'm not sure if it's uh, going to be who, who it's going to be. Uh, Jeff Valley Driver says your, your boy Zarian was teasing us. I think Zarian's just screwing around. Uh, it's a Christian level than we're expecting the greatest time of all time. Christian was a fantastic signing. Christian, I'm I'm a I'm a Christian mark the same way Tony Khan is. So you know what? If we're getting Christian level, let's go. See, when that. when that announcement happened, it felt very underwhelming, right? Because like they hyped it up big time. Stupid. Right. Well, right. Well, well, I think that was the first thing, right? It was either when Big Show or Mark Henry came in. I think it was when Big Show came in, right? And he was like, "I have this big scoop. Like I have value here at AEW. Like I'm coming in with this big scoop." new signing and uh and then it was christian everyone was like oh you know he's got the 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 impact entrance music again and like this this could be kind of cool but we were expecting like something massive and like it felt a little underwhelming but in hindsight and where we're at now yes christian was a fantastic signing for AEW because he is the best heel in wrestling right now yeah christian rules um we'll see we'll see on saturday who it is, how they, how they bring them in. Uh, they just, I guess it's just going to be a similar thing of like swerve where they just introduce swerve. Like, Hey, we got a new signing and then just here comes swerve comes out and that's it. <laughs> is, is there anybody that's wrapping up with like new Japan? That's like off my radar that this could be. I don't think so as far as because New Japan's announced like a lot of Wrestle Kingdom stuff. Uh, okay, Hammer. So people are saying Hammerstone. Um, I don't know if he's that still the, yeah. Richard Holiday. He's a free agent. Um, Both good wrestlers. But I, I think when AEW makes a comment like respected by the AEW audience, they're going like either massive star or like super indie type. Like, yeah. I like, listen, I like it all respect to Hammerstone, everyone from MLW. Like I, I hope that well, and also Hammerstone's still in MLW, right? Like, Hammerstone he hasn't gotten out. Yeah. So. He's not gotten his uh, release yet. You know, and then the, most of the other people who've gotten their releases from MLW, I think are probably WWE bound. Uh, they're all like bloodline adjacent and stuff. So like, um, yeah, I can't think of anyone else who, who it could possibly be. That's like, I feel like there's got to be someone that's like, just not. It's like someone. There's got to be someone out there that's like obvious that's just been like like low key under the radar that we're just not putting our fingers on. And like when they appear, we're gonna be like, oh, of course. Um, but I, honestly, dude, I'm gonna set my expectation at Mercedes, and I'm not doing it in, in a way to like to to like over like over hype and under deliver. It's just I think she fits the the bill for what for what you're. Uh, for what they're for what they're advertising she checks every box for what they're advertising as, as would someone like chris hero just it depends on how you look at it um and i would be okay with either of those but there are also plenty of wrestlers i'm not going to name of course but there are plenty of wrestlers too like if their name is red i'm going to be like uh yeah not here's not here's a name i'll throw at you we're going to talk about this person a little bit later on the show jonathan gresham i don't know if he's fully under mm. an impact deal right now he's working with mm. impact He's also kind of doing his own thing. I don't, he might just be on kind of like a handshake agreement 
with uh with impact i'm actually going to check the impact roster because mickey james made some headway headlines yesterday because people noticed that she was no longer on the impact website and look maybe it's mickey james that comes in um seems like she's more wwe bound but you never know uh so jonathan jonathan is is julia available yet um i don't know i i don't know she would be i don't know i don't know if she like but like AEW audience would know her you know, yeah. like she and she she'd be a big one too, um, because I, I, the rumor the rumor has been that she's going to be free soon. Yeah, um, she's another one to throw out there. Yeah, Jul- Julie. Okay, Jeff Alejandro says Julie's contract is up. I think that's oh, uh, March. Okay. I think that's what Dave said. Dave said the contract is not up until March. So okay, I'll, I'll trust Dave on that. Um, um, I yeah. like the idea though. You just threw out though. Um, I think Gresham is a good. If he, well, what, what are you saying? Well, he is listed on the Impact website. Okay, okay. That doesn't, I don't know how the Impact deals are. A lot of them, some of them are handshake kind of types. I don't think it was ever reported of what Gresham's contract was with Impact. Um, I think I would be more keen on the Gresham idea of Tony Khan. It said this man was listed in the top 25 in PW 500. Uh, then I would think it would uh, be jonathan gresham uh people are saying speedball um yeah yeah i don't i don't know what speedball is contract. again impact deals are i don't know the, the full specifics of them because they're allowed to work indies and stuff and a lot of them just kind of have like short-term handshake not not handshake but just short-term kind of agreements and then there are some that do have more long-term contracts i don't know when it comes to speedball and, and gresham i think gresham is more of the hey, let's just kind of figure it out as we go. I think Speedball is more locked in than that. Well, and not that not that bridges can't be, you know, mended, of course, but like Gresham had somewhat of a falling out with them with Ring of Honor when that got restarted and everything, right? So like, yeah, I don't know what it is. He's yeah. talked about that that wasn't handled great by either side. Okay, uh, it seems enough. like they're on like, and th- he talked about this a while ago. So I don't know what the status is now, uh, but it seems like the it's not the worst relationship in the <laughs> world compared to where it was. Sure, I mean, and I mean, I'm sure there there are much much worse things that have happened between wrestlers and promotions, and they've worked through them. So I, I just want to throw that out there too that they they had the they had the opportunity to have Gresham already before all this. Um, I love the idea of speedball coming in. I don't know what his status is either. I know a lot of people are mentioning him, like like you just said, um, and neither of us know if he's available or not. One thing I would throw out there too, just to keep, you know, just to put it in people's minds a little bit, don't know how realistic this is or if it'll, if it'll happen, but we did get, you know, the forbidden door concept and everything through AEW and Tony Khan's vision of, of what he wants wrestling to be and stuff. Don't ever rule out the idea of a trade. I'm just saying, like the dude is is in the, he's he's a GM. He's a he's heavily involved in professional sports. I I wouldn't be surprised if Tony Khan wasn't reaching out to guys like Scott Demore and stuff occasionally and just being like, "Would you be interested? Like, we really want Speedball. Like, would you be interested in this guy or that guy? Like, is our, like I I think like a trade and stuff is totally possible in today's landscape of pro wrestling. We've seen it happen in the UFC, kind of with Demetrius Johnson and, and Ben Askren and One FC and UFC. Like, so. I just want to throw that out there too. Like, I think some of these these contracts, even with New Japan and stuff, but some of these contracts and stuff, maybe there are ways that are less traditional that we're not as used to seeing in wrestling that Tony Khan might be open to or other promotions might be open to hearing. And maybe we get trades at some point too, where it's like 
someone's totally not on our radar because they're assigned to a company, but behind the scenes, Tony's making a deal. You know, I, I who knows? Well, so. they, they kind of did that with NWA. It wasn't a trade, but you know, Thunder Rosa, they got her because it was kind of a buyout situation. Serena Deeb um, as well. Mar- Marcus Ryan yeah. says, can they always buy out Osprey's new trade? They can. I, yeah, I don't know how that works. All parties got to agree to that. I don't know why Osprey wouldn't just ride out his deal with New Japan. He's he's still got to work New Japan. He still has a Wrestle Kingdom match to do. So it's it's not like he's just if he signs with AEW on Saturday, it's not like you're never going to see him in New Japan again. He's he has Wrestle Kingdom to do, just like Moxley has Wrestle Kingdom to do against Finley. Like they got that match to do on January fourth. So it all this stuff is possible. I'm I'm just looking at we can only look at right now. We can all yeah, this is all reckless speculation. Uh if we look at what we actually know and what we've been told, um Osprey's not up till February. So I don't know why you would announce that uh on, on Saturday when we know Osprey also has to work some new Japan dates moving forward as well. Uh my low end is Chris Hero. My my high end is is Mercedes. That's that's where I'm that's where I'm at. I like it. Also, high end for me, Bill Goldberg. We can move on to the next topic. Oh, Goldberg and Sid. I, I said oh. I want Sid. Dude, I don't think he Gold- can work at all. But and I'm just saying, like, if MJF needs a partner, I don't see Goldberg <laughs> popping up on the pre-show, but like Goldberg and MJF as a team has been a match made in, I mean, it's a, a lifetime's worth of, of, of build there. I mean, there are, there is footage of MJF on the Rosie O'Donnell show saying his favorite wrestlers are Goldberg and the walk. And uh, I mean, it's Bill. And of course, I mean, it goes without saying, and I'm Jewish as well. Bill Goldberg was a massive hero to Jewish kids growing up like myself and MJF. And like, I would imagine it's a, it would be a lifelong dream for MJF to be able to do anything with Goldberg and AEW. So I think there is value in Goldberg being a part of AEW. Like I, I, I don't think he needs to go in there and have half hour long matches and, and this and that. But I think if used properly, Goldberg could be a really cool signing for AEW. That said, I don't think he checks the boxes of like what this particular signing is, is meant to be, but um, I do want to see Goldberg pop up and do something with MJF personally. Anything else from from Full Gear? I know we skipped over a lot of the card because uh, we no that's fine. Y'all are gonna there's gonna be a trillion preview shows on on Fightful and Fightful Overbooked and this and that. I mean, y'all can if y'all want more previews and predictions next week on the show, we'll do even more previews and stuff for uh, for WWE because they've got a. Uh, uh, which pay-per-view is that? Uh, Survivor Series. Yeah. So uh, uh, Matt from Wrestle Rumble is going to sponsor the show again, and we'll get y'all free entries and stuff. They got belt contests. So we'll we'll get all the Wrestle Rumble and, and more predictions and stuff in next week. But I'll be watching Full Gear. I'll be watching Full Gear this weekend on my new 75-inch television that I bought over Black Friday. So I'm pretty hyped. I'm pretty hyped <laughs> for it. All right, let's move on to WWE Spotlight. I need to finish the story. In the WWE, the story never finishes. We have war games in WWE. We had war games as announced last week. But Drew McIntyre is now aligned with uh, the Judgment Day. Not officially in the Judgment Day. I wouldn't call him a member. But he's he's aligned himself by taking out Jay Uso uh, and costing Jay and Cody the tag team titles on Monday. Looks like he's going to be added to the war games match. Cody said that uh, off air. They got friends. They got a friend. They got they got people. So we'll see who who his people are. And then Oscar, uh, she is part of Damage Control. Not not an alignment. Not a handshake agreement. 
She's full on member of damage control. They did the big group hug to kind of signify things there. Jensen, your thoughts on Drew kind of teaming up with Judgment Day and Oscar and damage control? So um, I actually like both a lot. Um, Drew could use the heel turn. Got no problem with that. I like that it's so much of it's, this character right now is built on what happened to him during the pandemic, which was very real. Even the part, the point where, <clears throat> sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but my, my, my brother, I, I bring him up occasionally on this show. My brother has nicknames for like every wrestler and I, I won't repeat most of them, but like his, his nickname for Drew McIntyre is COVID champ. Because his, because every time he sees him, he feels so bad because he was with me. He saw him beat Brock Lesnar in front of no fans. He felt so bad that because my brother liked Drew McIntyre. He's like, this guy is good, right? Like he looks like a wrestler. He wrestles good. And he was out there busting his ass through the pandemic. Like if you go back and watch his matches in front of no fans in that Thunderdome, he's working his ass off to be a credible world champion, to put on good matches, to get people to keep watching and keep believing during like the, like, the worst time like most of us have like lived through during you know 2020 through 2022-ish or whatever. And so I, I've always felt so bad for the dude that like that happened to him because by the time the fans came back, they went to Lashley and it was like, damn, like he got totally boxed out from being able to do this in front of fans. And I like that he hasn't forgotten that. And that's kind of where he's at now mentally. He's like everything I just said, basically, he's using his fuel as a heel. I like that. Um, I like that Rhea has like persuaded him to join and they were shaking hands. Um, I, uh, I, I personally think Drew McIntyre should full on join the group. Like I, I think that that would, I mean, why not? I mean, he already kind of fits the mold already. He already wears like a black kind of cape robe thing. You know, he's put judgment day regalia, you know, logos or whatever on it. Um, why not? I mean, and, and I think that this is clearly McIntyre joining war games for them, which then opens it up for all the speculation of everyone saying Randy Orton will probably join the babyface team for his return and we'll get a five on five. So I, I, I like everything about that. And, and then with, uh, with Oscar, uh, you know, the, the, the damage control groups getting pretty big. There are like five members now, right? Dakota, Bailey, EO. Kyrie and Oscar. Kyrie and Oscar. But I like every member of the group. I, I especially like Oscar, Kyrie, and and um, and Io together. Um, and I feel like they may even break off as their own thing eventually, because I feel like there's something with them and Bailey. A lot of like, will she, won't she, with like her in the group at the moment. And Dakota was on the outside of the ring. Was she hurt or she just wasn't wrestling? She's still hurt. No, she's, she's still hurt. She's an ACL injury. She's not. Oh, okay. Uh, February maybe. I forgot she was here. I saw her on the outside of the ring when I was watching the, the match. Um, but I like, dude, I, I actually really like both, both of these turns. I think they actually both make sense and I'm okay with the groups that both of them are basically aligning with because of it. Like I actually, I got no problem with any of it to be, per, to be perfectly honest. I think it all totally makes sense. I do wonder now who goes on the babyface side for war games uh, with the women. Uh, it seems like it's Randy for the men if they're doing five on five. For the women, though, they're going to need one more because right now it's Charlotte, Bianca, Shotzi. Since assuming they keep it four on four uh, against Asuka, Io, Kyrie, Bailey, 
you know, who do you have on the, the women's side there? People have said Becky. Um, I don't, Becky's kind of doing her own thing. Yeah. That's just a, she's on raw as well. That would just be a thing of like, Hey Becky, we just kind of need a partner. And Bianca might ask her because of, of last year uh, when they, they called her up to, to be part of the team. Charlotte can side eye her on there. You know, there's Mia, Mi Chen. Uh, she's on, she's part of SmackDown. She, she's kind of been out of sight uh, for, for the last little while. Maybe they ask her. There's no real seamless fit to to the group. I'm trying to think of like who uh, who damage control has wronged on the babyface side. And you know, Becky kind of makes sense there that damage control has gone out. But like damage control is done. They haven't been positioned as the strongest faction in the world over the last year. Bianca was beating them single handedly for a few months. So I don't right. know. Who- I'd completely gets in there. Oh, people's uh, Mark saying Zelina Vega. Maybe, maybe Zelina. Yeah, I honestly I might- couldn't even make it. I honestly couldn't even make an educated guess beyond the names you just put out there. Bonkers obviously says Mickey James. If she's going to make a return, that would be a good one. Uh, nepotism. Yeah. Uh, nepotism. Oh, because on- of all this. <laughs> yeah. All this. Like, I got you. Remember <laughs> Mickey James. <laughs> uh, no one in the WWE universe would even know. Would even know the relationship there, I don't think. I mean, not nobody, but you know, most of the, the, the audience wouldn't, they wouldn't even know. That's funny, though. I didn't even think about that. I think a good chunk of the audience might know that. Uh, uh, I think a good chunk of the audience had no idea who Nick Aldis was before he debuted. If he yeah, that was a very flat kind of kind of thing, too. It was just like, Dude. anyway, here's Nick Aldis. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like when he like walked out of like just from, like the commentary table or something, it was like, wait, yo, he was just. They're called us this year, okay? But yeah, but, but I mean, me and you are just, and anyone really watching this show is just going to be so different than like the average WWE fan. I honestly think the majority of the WWE universe is made up of, and there's not there's nothing wrong with this, by the way. I mean, this is not. I don't want anyone to take this the wrong way. I think it's mainly made up of younger people who who mainly only watch the WWE. Like, I don't I don't think a lot of them saw magnus in tna or and i don't think any of them were, were watching all this is nwa world heavyweight title run and they certainly wouldn't have a they didn't even know he existed they wouldn't know that he was married to mickey james you know so like i that's kind of how i feel about it i think that like and i think that's how the wwe views it too i kind of i think they kind of view it as like if that audience has ever seen them they don't know about them occasionally you'll get a guy like aj styles who will just like bust right through those that that's all process you know but that's super 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 rare yeah i think i mean well mickey the, the WWE audience knows mickey so yeah they know it, mickey but yeah. they wouldn't to them they'd just be mickey's husband though like they didn't know who he was it's just some good looking dude right well if nick aldous is like i got your partner mickey james and mm. then i think people will the, those who know will know and then those well, who don't will just be excited to see mickey james well and those who don't will immediately research because one other thing about the wwe audience that i definitely have to give credit to is like they the ones who are in are in so like the second that they see the mickey james being out and they call this they'll start putting the pieces together and they'll start figuring it out um right and then they'll start arguing with people who don't like what they like and then they will then they'll it'll just go back and forth until everybody's arguing with each other and yelling over each other for no reason and somehow it'll be a bad thing that Mickey James came back to WWE, even though it'll be a good thing. Um, but anyway, um, I, I long way to say I like both heel turns. I thought they both made sense. Um, so yeah, 
And I, and I do think that eventually EO, Asuka, and Kyrie are going to be their own group, the three of them. I think that that's coming. Well, get ready for the men's partner when it's Cody Rhodes, Jey Uso, Sami Zayn, Seth Rollins, and not Randy Orton as their fifth. But when it's CM Punk, Steven Jensen as their fifth member. Yeah. I mean, I can't even explain... How I would, I can't, I honestly can't even give you a real idea because it's, it's so unlikely to me that that happens. I know, I know Sean came on here last week and he was like, my, my whole, my, my whole career is on the line here. Um, if, if whether or not CM Punk shows up at this show, um, I, uh, I, I just, I don't see that happening. But hey, man, if it did, it would definitely create a lot of buzz. Then I'll tell you what, I mean, the best, the, the the most viewed episode we've ever had of this show was the episode when when Cody had just lost to WrestleMania. Like yeah. we had our show generally averages like as something like between like two to four thousand views or something on like most of like our average episodes. That one had like thirteen to fourteen thousand views. I mean, it like you know it was, and I think that's the one upside is like if CM Punk came back to WWE, I think a lot of people would watch us talk about it. Um, same with CM Punk showed up anywhere. I think what you're, I think what you're really saying is we just need Cody to lose more. Like when Cody loses, our viewership goes goes sky high because they no. want to see your reaction. So we need more Cody losses. So WrestleMania 40, Cody loses once again in the main event to Roman Reigns. Two straight years of Cody losing. Everyone tune in the night after to see how Steven Jensen reacts. Or I guess you know a couple days later. Yeah, exactly. I mean. But I don't know how much. Anyway, I, I don't think it's going to be CM Punk. But if it was, that would uh, because they're in Chicago, right? So like, I mean, yeah, I would. I don't. I, I can't completely rule it out. But I, I just, I, I don't. I, I think it'll be Randy Orton. But I think there's going to be a lot of people that are chanting CM Punk in the crowd. So like, it's going to be interesting. I don't think there's going to be anybody chanting CM Punk. Honestly, I think if they're I teasing don't. a mystery partner, people are going to be like, I, so here's what, here's what Sean reported <laughs> and what I agree with, by the way, I think Orton comes out on Monday. I don't think they, that's a good way to nip that in the bud. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they do this mystery partner thing. I think we get Randy. That's why I bring up CM Punk now and not next week, because next week I think we're going to know it's Randy Orton. Um, I think Orton comes out on Monday and that way you immediately kibosh anything of like, Oh, mystery partner. Is it CM Punk? Is it CM Punk? Yeah. I think Randy's going to show up on raw and then nobody has to worry about is CM Punk showing up. They didn't chant for CM Punk in Chicago the day he got fired. Like I, I kind of just think the chance now that he's been back and he's done everything he's done. I don't think that I don't think there's that big quell of like, He's not the anti like WWE thing anymore. One WWE is like hot and right and doing well. So there's no like reason to like counter counter the program by chanting for CM Punk. He I don't think he is that symbol of like we don't like this anymore. I don't think that chant is that symbol for that anymore. Well, and I also think it kind of ties into what I was just mentioning. Like Bit McGillen in the chat mentioned, he said, I, I'd seen Magnus in TNA, so I know Nick Aldis, which I think is fair. There's definitely going to be a percentage of the fans that are that are like that. You know? um, 
I don't think it's, I don't think all of this is running Magnus is very good, but he did, he did make it to become the TNA champion to his credit. But <clears throat> I think this kind of ties in what, what I was saying a second ago with CM Punk and with uh, who the WWE audience in general is like the majority of the audience. I think the majority of the current WWE audience was not watching the WWE when CM Punk was there. It's been so long already. Like there's, yep. there, there's, when, when did he leave? 2013 or whatever, 10 years ago. No, so crazy. like, okay. So basically 10 years ago, there, there are kids under the age of 10 that are, that are making up a big part portion of the current WWE audience, like that never saw CM Punk live. So like they wouldn't care if he's there or not. So you got to keep that in mind too. It's been a long time since he's been there and there's a whole new audience. The, 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 the magic of way, the, why the WWE is so successful. There's a lot of, of reasons, but one of the main ones is there's a never ending influx of, of children. Like there's always going to be a group of, of people living that are, that are the ages of, you know, five to 14 or whatever, that's always going to exist. And if WWE can continue to, to cultivate and, 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 and get, get kids as fans in like that pocket of, of that age pocket, you can get a lot of, a lot of people in that age range interested. And then hopefully they become fans for life or eventually they get their kids into it and they get older or whatever. And that's kind of their secret sauce. I think in a lot of ways, but because they they work on that formula and they kind of like in certain ways kind of shun away like their adult audience or kind of like their more hardcore audience in favor of the casual viewer and their newer viewer, because that, that's constantly happening, guys like you know they they they're not going to have loyalty to a guy like CM Punk who who just they, they haven't seen before. They're not going to care. So we got to keep that in mind too. There's there's a whole there's a complete there's there's a lot of the fan base that's currently watching the show right now wasn't watching when we were watching CM Punk ten years ago. Yeah, and again, I don't think that CM Punk chant, especially now that he's been back with AEW, that went how it went. I don't think the fans that were chanting for CM Punk, they were probably the fans who cheered when he returned in AEW, and they watched the AEW run, and now they might just be like, eh, eh, I don't know, we don't need to chant for this guy. Yeah. And again, WWE's hot. Like yeah. the product is doing well. Mm-hmm. Eric Bischoff ma- made this point, and I-, I agree with him. Is like maybe WWE needs CM Punk or wants CM Punk at Rumble and WrestleMania to create more buzz, even though that's their busiest time of the year. They've already sold out this show without him. It's not like you need him for Chicago. It's not like you need him to create more buzz. Like you're doing really well if you're WWE. Why are you going to bring him in right now to potentially just cause headaches that? aren't needed the negative needed. far outweighs the positive far yeah. outweighs it if if they were in a down period and like they needed some type of shot in the arm sure I'd be like yeah you know what go for it see what happens take the risk but right now it's like everything's running high everything's good still in the maybe the bottom of the third top of the fourth with things you got you got many innings left with uh the bloodline and cody losing to where you don't need cm punk what if yeah. cm punk you know what our most viewed show ever would be CM Punk beating Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. Might... The problem with that would be that'd be my last show because <laughs> I wouldn't be watching wrestling anymore after that. I would I'd just be done. I'd have to find a new hobby. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you could do the show after that. Like, the I show feel just I be would... my brother following me with the camera while I like throw my televisions through my window and like <laughs> trash my trash my whole condo. 
Yeah, I I wouldn't make you do the show. Like Jensen, if you want to take this week off, you want to. If I would understand if you didn't want to do the show anymore, if be, CM Punk beat Cody Rhodes, I would be. That would just. Hey, you know what? There's always MMA. Maybe he can go do that next again. Cody? I don't no, know. not not Cody. No, no, no. no. <laughs> well, after he loses the Punk, the, where's he gonna go? Um. Oh, God, we don't need to talk about this. We need to move on to other topics. This is such a yeah. Real quickly, because you we kind of just brought up wrestling and MMA. And you said you listened to this rock interview with Joe Rogan. I did, I did watch well. the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. I did as well. This rock story of him saying he's going to pride, yeah. that's the most bullshit thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think I mean I remember like Hogan actually said something similar on Rogan recently where he was like talking about trying to join up with Pride in like the 80s, like like multiple years, like like a couple decades before it even existed. <laughs> Um, no, I don't, I think the rock maybe had a loose relationship with like Mark Coleman and some of those guys, Ken Shamrock, cause he wrestled them at the time. And maybe he was a little interested in MMA, but like, that's pretty hindsight revisionist. I think for him to say, cause like the, the rock. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think that there was a chance the rock was going to actually be fighting in pride back in like 1997 or 1998 or whatever, or maybe it was 99, I guess 99 ish. Is what he, he said, said, no, he said, he said 97. But when did Pride get founded? I can't even remember when it, the company was the company around in ninety seven. Was it ninety seven? I couldn't remember. It was ninety seven or ninety nine when Pride actually? Yeah, Pride. Pride. The first event was October ninety seven. So, so it, this was just before the first event because he was out of action from WWE in like June, and he right. came back in I think like October or something is when he joined the Nation. So. Yeah, he, he was basically saying that he was going to be part of the first Pride event, maybe the second, I don't know. but Yeah, which is like, yeah, because he's talking about the money they were making, but he couldn't have known the money they were making because they weren't running shows yet, really. Well, and you're, and that, you're saying he's going to up and up, uproot and move to Japan? To... He said that, you know, he was at the gym or whatever, and the guys were talking about they were making 250, 300, 500,000. He was making 150. By the way, 150 a year? That's good money. Back in 97. Especially in 97? For, yeah. Especially in 97? Back when they would um, give you a house. Back when Clinton would just, you know, everyone could just have a house. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we were killing it back then. We got to give it to the 90s, baby. Speaking of that, I've got a, I, my, my friend, I gotta, I'd got be remiss if I didn't bring this up. I, I have not brought it up on the show yet, and it's very important to me. Um, My friend, Mike Hughes, who comes over for AEW, for the holidays, he gave, he gave me an early uh, Christmas present because – he knew I was planning on maybe getting one myself and he didn't want it. He wanted to make sure I didn't. So he gave me the present early. He gifted me a inbox 1991 original creepy crawler oven working oh, with the goop and everything. And I've been playing nice. with it and making little, making little scorpions and stuff. Um, so yeah, I wanted to bring that up too. Since we're thro throwing back to, to the nineties a little bit here with this conversation, um, very much a nineties, nineties kid, nice. but, but no, I, I, I don't think the mom was ever going to actually, go to pride and hulk hogan was, definitely wasn't because pride didn't exist when, when he was talking about it it was so hilarious when rogan is like did you know where you're gonna train no no idea do you yeah. have any striking experiences like a little my dad used to do amateur boxing like that's not experience just well, because your dad did it doesn't mean you have any <laughs> and it was like right after he had just explained like yeah you know like right after my first wrestling match pat patterson pulled me aside and was like you gotta learn how to throw a punch it's like <laughs> but you knew how to box and he's throwing punches like this. 
Oh, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, dude! Like, imagine the Rock and like Pride going like, <laughs> winding up his hand and yeah. throwing the big right, spitting at it, throwing the right. Oh, that would have oh, ruled, honestly. Throwing his elbow pad <laughs> off and running around the octagon. Or right, they had they had a ring actually for Pride. So they had a ring. Done the people's yeah. elbow. Um, Look, Pride was half worked anyway. So especially those early matches, those all, were worked fights anyway. So Rock might have been able to get by. Yeah, I shouldn't say all fixed, but it was. Yeah, there was. That's a whole other conversation for another. The time. Rock and Sakuraba, that would have been a fucking show right there. I'm yeah, that. really, any of those old school like the, the people people might not even know what we're talking about, but Sakuraba and those kind of guys, they were uh, they a lot of these a lot of the early Japanese mixed martial artists were actually japanese professional wrestlers that were doing work shoot matches with each other in japan but like because it was so new and nobody could really tell the difference people just thought it was all real and they went on real mma records like if you look at some of these guys records like it's like wins and losses for matches that were clearly fixed um like it's wild because you can go back and even my old high school wrestling coach steve day he went over to japan and did some did some matches before he was my coach and I've seen some footage of it in high school. I thought they were real when I, when I, when I went back and I found like one on YouTube recently and he's in like an ankle lock and stuff and like crawling to the ropes and shit. And I'm like, this is pro wrestling. I thought my whole life is dude was doing real fights. It is actually pro wrestling. Holy shit. I was, I was, I was duped at a young age about this. You know, um, you know, who was, you know, who competed at the first pride event. You're going to have to remind me because I'll, I'll know once you say it, a uh, professional wrestler, wrestled at wrestlemania um i think teamed with the undertaker at wrestle maybe not officially teamed but like kind of sort of teamed. nathan jones nathan jones was part of the first pride event so to tell you that like who look the rock honestly he might have been over to go over there and just like take a quick loss or something and make some money nathan jones so like when you when we're speaking of pride and jensen's talking about like yeah it's like kind of like worked stuff yeah Nathan Jones was part of the first Pride event. I know, like, uh, Suzuki, I think, wrestled at Pride at one mm-hmm. point. Like, we were the uh, King of Pancreas, but that was legitimate. True. Yeah. Yeah. King yeah. of Pancreas was definitely legit. Um, yeah. Sakuraba. Sakuraba does, has done like some, some professional wrestling as well. Uh, yeah. Nathan Jones was part of the first Pride event, though. So there you, you know go. What, There's your tie in. You know what y'all should watch? I never give this place plugs because I hadn't worked there in a long time, had a bit of a falling out. But I had, I made, I, I wrote a video years ago for MMA on point that y'all can check out. It was, I think it's titled something like the 10 least deserving UFC fighters ever, some, something like that. You can find it. CM Punk's ranked number one, of course, on the list. But there's <laughs> but there's there's multiple people we're talking about right now. They're like we're like Japanese pro wrestlers that were doing fixed fights that I put on that list. So yeah. Um, yeah, there's a there's a lot of uh yeah uh wrestlers who have gone over to MMA and just done fixed fights a lot of especially on the japanese side yeah yeah <laughs> the rock so fantastic when he's like yeah it's gonna go to pride brother <laughs> when he was even talking he's like yeah i was thinking about like training and this and that and then when rogan actually called him on it like you said he's like where were you he's like well i don't really know where i was gonna trade it's like yeah because like really back then like it was like lion's den that was like it like no one yeah. even knew like of even like there was like the real camps didn't really exist you had like big bear like with like tito ortiz like yeah team punishment like that was kind of around maybe then like i mean 
anyway, we're getting super off topic. I know we got a couple other things to talk about, but we can talk about this all day. This is this, the, the, this the is much better than our. This is much better than the other spotlight. <laughs> well, the other spotlights right? are going to be quick. I yeah, mean, the, right. the the indies ones we can talk about a little bit, but I'll, I I want to give at least ten minutes if we can to the indie ones. So let's let's rifle through the others real quick. Okay, our product is what it is. We are going straight up the middle. Paul Burchill is back in wrestling. No one noticed because he was with the NWA doing this spectacular, uh, basically like, uh, what's the America's Got Talent? Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that. Yeah, yeah, it's like that. Uh, He swivels his hips. I don't know. This was, this was something. Yeah. So the reason I wanted to have this as my spotlight was basically just to make people aware that this is happening so over in the National Wrestling Alliance, as Jeremy said, they're doing an America's Got Talent type um, type thing where Billy Corgan sitting there with Rondo Freeman and maybe Rush Freeman as well. But it, it, this, it's, the Spectaculars are sitting there and um, basically they're auditioning to become part of the group. And Paul Burchill, like like multiple people like do, do these segments and Paul Burchill pops up. I hadn't seen like a decade last time i'd seen him you know he's got like long hair looking like a pirate and whatnot people forget that c i think he called it the c4 that the, the backflip yeah. uh, uh rock bottom that was a super innovative move at the time like that was yeah, the, Sp- the spanish fly that's that's what it is isn't it it's the spanish yeah fly. it is it is yeah. but like he he did it as like a he was like idle though. He'd do it from like, he wouldn't be moving. He did it a little different. Where like usually someone's like running or they do it off the ropes. He would just be standing there and just do this backflip. Anyway, regardless, it's basically a Spanish fly. And, but him doing that on WWE TV at the time was like mind blowing because no one else was doing that. Yeah. And so like the last time I'd seen this guy, I looked, you know, but then I, I realized I'm like, that is, that is Paul Burchill. He just got shorter hair. He looks pretty much the same. Looks like he's in good shape still. But what was so mind blowing is like the NWA is this brand that, consistently uses you know past their prime talent or like former WWE guys and stuff like that and they generally give them pretty big pushes like you know Mike Knox and Trevor Murdoch and you know EC3 and Tyrus and all these guys right so like you figure if they're gonna bring Burchill in they would have like brought him in for real like it'd be like oh hey we got Paul Burchill back in wrestling y'all remember him from the WWE like you remember the sweet moves he was doing and like how he was underutilized and he's still in great shape and you bring him in like Maybe he teams up with like fodder or they, or something, or they can, they can figure out certain ways to like introduce him to the show. But instead he just pops up completely randomly, no real introduction, no real anything. And Billy Corgan's just like, yeah, yeah, I remember you. Okay. Virtual's here. Okay. And then like, he like auditions to be in this group and it was just kind of weird and cringe. And it wasn't, it wasn't virtual's fault, by the way. Like I think he did fine given the circumstances, but I just thought it was kind of hilarious and confusing where it's like the nwa is the one brand where this actually kind of could work for him where like they actually use past their prime talent and push them and they could do that with virtual but instead they just brought him in as like a total nothing segment like it just very not even not even off brand with how bad and strange booking was just it's just very nwa I don't know if Birchill has like any desire to like actually wrestle full time or anything. He hasn't wrestled since oh. 2018. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. Maybe he I just know. wanted to come in and do something silly. Like maybe I wouldn't. And he has not wrestled since 2018. He's had since 2017, three matches. He really hasn't wrestled full time since 2000. 
t- basically since he ended his WWE run in 2010. Like he, I don't yeah. think he he cares to do like full time. And now, like that was 13 years ago, his full time WWE run. So he's yeah, he's had 10 matches since he left WWE in 2010. Well, if you want to get in that mix, NWA is a place for you. Hey, look, they'll push you. That's for sure. They, yeah, push you. you got a shot at becoming the world champion. Yeah, um, really. So anyway, we can move on to the next topic. Uh, the other, my my spotlight is is very quick and easy. Watch Jonathan Gresham and Alex Shelley awesome from match. this past uh, week on Impact Wrestling. It's free on their YouTube channel yes. right now. So there's no excuses for you not to watch this match. Uh, like, I'm, we're, we're not match breakdown people, but... Uh, if you just like really good professional wrestling between two really good professional wrestlers and minor details with things. Uh, yeah. Alex Shelley, Jonathan Gresham. It, it's tough to beat that. It's one of the best television matches you're going to, you're going to find all year. Certainly one of the best impact matches you're going to see all year. And again, it's free on their YouTube now. So I, I advise everyone to go check that out. It was awesome match. It was like, well, like 20 something minutes long. I want to say like, it was a, it was a good long match great chain wrestling reversals into reversals into reversals multiple chances at the border city stretch i mean gresham just every pin attempt you can imagine and i just yeah i can't i honestly can't do the match justice by even attempting to break it down but um like jeremy said it's for free on the the impact youtube channel and i i think it's absolutely worth watching and another feather in the cap of this run that alex shelley's on at the top of impact right now just great stuff from both guys yeah, again, just if you want to watch a very good professional wrestling match, uh, there's no reason to not watch this. It is free on the Impact YouTube channel. You can go back and uh, watch uh, Joel. I think uh, Cresta was not there last week, so I think it was Joel and SP3 reviewing the show. Uh, so you can go back and listen to their review. They'll they go into more details with it but can check it out for yourself I, I highly advise everyone to check it out for yourself impact's kind of in a weird holding pattern right now until they get to the tna rebrand at, at the beginning of the year but this was a a very strong standout match to close out the year for for the show all right um move on to the indie spotlight i'm gonna give a big mother fucking shout out i put santana jackson in here and you were very confused you're like have we not talked about santana? <laughs> yeah. like no we haven't spotlighted him at all. You're like, oh, I talk about him all the time on the weekend. I was like, okay, well, I just want to say, I, you you mentioned, and, and people might know this, like Santana Jackson, it's not like he's a new wrestler or anything. It's not like he's like this up-and-coming wrestler. People who don't know, he's a Michael Jackson cosplayer who wrestles like, dresses, acts like Michael Jackson, but he's a professional wrestler. <laughs> it yeah. rules so much because it's so gimmicky. It's totally professional wrestling we had janella on in the weeds yesterday and i asked him because he's face or he just faced santana jackson or he is facing santana jackson. I, forget. Uh, I think he's facing santana. he's about to face him yeah yeah, yeah. uh Hannah jackson just faced uh mike bailey and i was and, there live in atlanta for that one yeah so and santana jackson's also about to face michael jackson next week at uh GCW. action mike jackson action michael jackson yes i will be i'll be at that at that one uh i was like it just rules there's absolutely rules that like he's just taking this Michael Jackson gimmick and does all of these, you know, the moonwalk DDT and all this stuff acts like you're going to hit the ropes and nope, let me moonwalk out of this. The, the whole thriller dance basically during the lock. Oh, it's so, so hilarious. It's hilarious to me. I absolutely <laughs> love it. It's so campy and so fun. I just want to put over Santana Jackson because I think it's hilarious. 
Yeah, it's funny. If you if you listen to like if you go back and watch the match that Santana had with Speedball in Atlanta on commentary, <clears throat> excuse me, on commentary, Moe's and Dave Prazak are just I mean, it's such great commentary because they're doing all like the key and like all like the stuff like while he's doing the moves and uh Moe's at one point Santana does this like people's elbow type thing where he like dances kind of like on top of kind of like above someone's body, then does this whole and before he drops the elbow, Moses is like, holy shit, that's tight. You know what I mean? Like, they're like, they're just, they're just marking out so hard, like, while he's doing all of his moves. I have seen, it is a little polarizing in some ways. Like, some people don't like the idea of this Michael Jackson impersonator, like, beating their favorite wrestlers. Like, for instance, there were some guys at GCW, some fans that were like, this guy just beat speedball. What the hell? Like, what the hell was that? Um, and there's also some people that don't like Michael Jackson because of, you know, things he was accused of and stuff. But the reason, <clears throat> excuse me, but, but one thing I need to kind of put out there is what I think is so funny and just like entertaining and everything about what he's doing. And the reason that I can separate it from any like allegations or whatever that kind of come along with who Michael Jackson was, what he, what Santana Jackson is kind of doing in my mind is, he's almost like playing out the like South park version of that Michael Jackson character in a wrestling ring. And it's just meant to be funny. Like it isn't, it's meant to be funny and entertaining. Like it isn't, they're not really like glorifying the human being of Michael Jackson. It's more of the spectacle of like, if Michael Jackson was a professional wrestler, this is what it would look like. If, if, if Michael Jackson transformed into a werewolf in like, like in thriller, this is what would happen. You know, and it's like, so that's, that's just kind of the way that I look at it. I think you need to kind of separate that. Um, so it's just one of those things where like, I, I'm with you too. The dude gets a massive reaction. He moonwalks around the ring for his entrance. I mean, the, the place goes nuts. And like you said, I've been watching this guy for years, um, but he's just now kind of like getting a lot of buzz and good for him. I mean, he found something that worked. It's incredibly gimmicky. It's a niche of a niche of a niche, but He's in GCW consistently right now, which is a great place to be. Um, and he's having great matches against great talents. So, yeah, shout out to Santana Jackson. Uh, yeah, I think that the, the, yeah. they work in Vegas as a professional Michael Jackson yeah. impersonator. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's the, the, the shoot gimmick. Uh, and they've just transformed it to fresh wrestling. Like you said, I don't think of it as like, oh, it's let's talk about Michael Jackson. They're portraying Michael Jackson, the entertainer, and they are doing a professional wrestling version of it. It's a caricature. Like that's yes. that's what it is. I don't doesn't have anything to do with Michael Jackson, the person to me. Um, but I I'm, I'm the same way. That's how I feel about it, it too. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, I think I don't think I don't think we're gonna ever see Santana Jackson headline WrestleMania or anything like that. Maybe as a performer, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's like go out there perform Thriller for everybody. I think we're gonna see that or anything. But for like an indie gimmick that just you need something that is you know that latches with people, that connects with people, that people can identify with or have fun with. Tough to go wrong with this of like, hey, I know Michael Jackson. Hey, this is funny. Like, yeah, have him beat Cody. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> That's gonna be the new gimmick for everybody. Just have them beat Cody. That'd be Cody. See, so, yeah, see my reaction to it. Yeah. <laughs> uh the other indie spotlight, Andrade coming to GCW. Jensen, I know you got thoughts on this. What you, what, yes. What you, um, <laughs> I uh, I have some more thoughts on this on the weekend, or if you want a little more deep dive, because I do have to clock in for my shoot job here in a second. But 
Andrade to GCW is exciting, obviously. Um, I'm just hoping that they don't go kind of like the kind of like the Hammerstein route with him, if that makes sense to anybody. Like I, I wouldn't want him coming in and being like Jeff Jarrett and like beating Effie type stuff, like especially if they're gonna bail before the, the payoff and the rematches. But I think that if Andrade, uh, there's kind of my, my thing is like, what are his intentions and motivations? Is, is Andrade coming in to like demand a whole lot of money and like not want to lose to people? Or is he coming in like just trying to make the company better, just trying to have good matches, willing to put people over if he needs to? I have no idea. But I think it's going to bring buzz to the company. I know they've announced Joe Janela is going to be one of his matches, the one in LA. That makes perfect sense. Janela is the guy who like, you can immediately slot him in with any like veteran or any big name. He, like he's just Janelle is just always going to be like a, one of the perfect guys to to have a match with anyone like that. Um, and they're both you know Janelle being former AEW, Andrade being current AEW, kind of a an interesting matchup there. Um, other someone else that comes to mind that I think they should book him against would be Gringo Loco. I think that'd be really really good for Gringo's career. Um, they're doing a, a one of his matches is going to be in Chicago, and Gringo is from Chicago, so I think that they should do that there personally. I don't know if they've announced. I think they've just announced the Janela LA match. Yeah, they've only announced LA. the Janela match right now. So I personally, I, I would I would have uh, Gringo Loco wrestle um, wrestle Andrade in Chicago, and then his third match. I'm not sure, but. There, there, there's a lot. There's definitely a fan base out there trying to trying to get Jimmy Lloyd in there with Andrade, which I would absolutely love to see. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see to see Andrade come in. You know, I, I think I think he'll have really good matches. I think he'll he'll go there for the right reasons, have the right intentions, and uh, hopefully draw like new eyes um, to GCW in the process. So, um, big, big announcement from GCW too. I mean, they announced that during the broadcast of JCW's most recent show. And JCW, just for what it's worth, they also announced that the J-Cup's going to come back early next year. And that's the tournament Jordan Oliver won last year to become the uh, the JCW champion. So, yeah, good stuff coming out of GCW and JCW this past weekend. And I'm um, uh, look for, looking forward to seeing what Andrade does in GCW. Uh, Brett Lauderdale has told the story that he tried to get – he had, I guess, Andrade booked for spring break 2021 uh, after Andrade got released from WWE. And then – it was during the pandemic and everything. And then Andrade signed with AEW and that kind of stopped that. So I know Lauderdale's wanted Andrade for a couple of years now. So it's cool that they got it able to work out and it's coming in. Yeah. Wrestling Janela, easy match to do. Everyone knows Janela. We'll see what else Andrade does. I'm looking forward to seeing him in a, in a GCW environment. Um, should be, should be a lot of fun. Should, should give them a lot of buzz. If you want, if you want more on that, again, we had Joey on in the weeds yesterday. Uh, Joey, Bruce Hart, one or the other was on in the weeds yesterday talking about the match with Andrade Jensen. I think you're logging into your shoot job now. So I am. I'm, 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 I'm okay. You can keep talking for a second. I'm, I'm literally, I'm on my other, I'm on my work laptop here. Uh, clocking <laughs> to work. Yeah. I'm, I'm, oh, getting, I'm getting my, uh, I'm in my living room now. I, I work off my couch here in my living room. I, I'll eventually, I'm telling Jeremy the other day, I, I'll eventually, uh, move this show back into my office um but i am redoing my office so um so it looks cooler i'm gonna i'm gonna put a bunch of uh i'm putting up a bunch of more of like my autographs and memorabilia and and all that kind of stuff so um well, jensen, i'll be back in there soon jensen let everybody know where they can find you at uh and and what and all your indie dates that you have coming up before i do that hold on keep talking for a second i need to actually clock in for my job real quick okay i need to i need to focus on this right. plug plug something jeremy 
We have a great interview with Dominic Greeny uh, coming up. That's going to air here in just a second. Dom was with us just before Violence is Forever returned to GCW. Now they are back in GCW. They've been back in GCW, GCW for a couple months. So the GCW tag team champions as well. So they talk about that match, um, or I guess not they. Dom talks about that match, him and Kevin Koo against Los Macisos. Uh, talk about Dom's wrestling Kenta next week so we get into that we did get into a discussion i'm sure people saw this online of like hey fans uh with phones at indie events you know should this should phones be taken at indie events uh type of thing dom talks about that talks about gives us some travel stories uh just kind of differences in tag team wrestling singles wrestling um why dom addresses some haters from back in the day a lot of great stories with dom he's very gracious with his, his time with us i think we told him like yeah we'll do like 30 minutes then we went like an hour so uh yes. he's, he's very very kind human being we did talk about uh i think sean mentioned it on our show last week when he did the run-in was they wanted to do a training gimmick with dom uh where sean was gonna mma Jarrett kind of kind of style <laughs> vignettes and i don't think they were able to get the timing down but dom talked about that kind of their plans and then also just like his thoughts on Sean wrestling and, and you know, that that's gotten a lot of attention and some backlash and stuff. So Dom gave his thoughts on that as well. So very fun interview with Dominic Greeny that everybody's about to hear. Jensen, uh, you yes. the interview and anything else you got going on? Yes. Thank you very much for holding me over there while I clocked in for work. Um, yeah. Follow me on X at fight talk underscore use code fight talk on independent wrestling.tv. Listen to the fightful select weekend or podcast. It's every Sunday, sometimes on Mondays, depending on my schedule over on fightfulselect.com. And um, yeah, I think anything else going on, just check out my my ex and enjoy this interview with Dominic Greeny. Um, the the plan initially was to have Dom and Q on together. We, we wanted to have them on as a tag team um, just because of scheduling. We couldn't make it happen, but we will have Q on again soon, hopefully for you guys. But Dom, um, very happy that he was able to make it and um, and very big fan of Dom and Q. I mean, I've got pictures with the two of them after they won the GCW titles in Atlanta. So Nothing but love to both Dominic Greeny and Kevin Koo, uh, who have both been guests on this show. I mean, this was the second time for Greeny with us here. Koo's been on before with us. I believe Koo's done In the Weeds as well. So, like, yep. those guys have been great to us. So, you know, nothing but love for Violence is Forever. And I hope you enjoy this interview with Greeny. I'm going to go uh, <laughs> talk to my boss and start working. You guys have a good day. Have a good weekend. Um, enjoy, uh, enjoy Full Gear this Saturday. We'll be back uh, next week to talk about all things full gear. Enjoy your day, Jensen. I'll talk to you next week. All right, everybody, let's go ahead and get into it. Dominic Greeny, one half of the GCW Tag Team Champions, one half of Violence is Forever. Here we go in the Creator Spotlight, Dominic Greeny. Welcome to the Creator Spotlight here on the Spotlight on Fightful. I'm Stephen Jensen, joined as always by Jeremy Lambert. And our guest today is returning. He is one half of the new Game Changer Wrestling Tag Team Champions, he is Dominic Greeny of Violence is Forever. Dom, welcome back to the show. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Stephen and Jeremy. Yes. Thanks are, for joining us. Yeah. Again. Yeah, we, we very much appreciate this. And um, I'll just go right into it. I was there live at center stage to watch your victory at GCWC or no. Um, we tried to get Kevin on tonight as well. We will hopefully catch up with him soon on the show, too. Um, obviously I'm a longtime fan of you guys. It was awesome being there live at the show. What was it like, um, being in that match in the reaction and the reception? Cause you guys are hated in that GCW universe, but I mean, you have a lot of people in the Atlanta, Georgia area that were yeah. there supporting you for that win. Yeah. So that was like the big thing too. It, it is so interesting to win it, to have what probably one of like our top three victories, you know, as a team, 
you know, in a spot where we have a lot of history, obviously we spent a lot of time cutting our teeth, doing a lot of work for action wrestling and Matt Griffin down in the Atlanta, Tyrone, Georgia area, obviously a short four hour jaunt from, uh, from, you know, the home of SUP where, you know, Kevin built an entire company, you know, so, and a lot of people for the longest time, you know, misplaced me as like a Southern guy, um, just because, of Kevin and the work I did in the South for so long, but I mean, I'm a Midwest guy at best. Um, I'm actually, I'm a mutt really. Us Ohio kids are mutts. Like we really don't have, like we're in the middle of the South, the Midwest and the the East. So it's like, I'll just take whoever wants to claim me, but it was, it was great. Um, In that universe. Yeah. Like our entire kind of setup in the GCW universe has been to be dickhead heels. um, Because if you look at their teams that they've had, for the last you know year, it's kind of all baby faces for the most part. Um, Masisos, Bussy, uh, East West Express, you know, a lot of they did a lot of stuff. SGC, those are all baby face teams, so they really didn't have a, a strong heel presence. And that was something that I brought up, and I don't know, I probably didn't bring this up the last time when I was on, <clears throat> but back earlier this year, I had a, like a sit down with, with Dave Prazak. We were backstage together, and we were just talking about stuff, and we had both kind of come to that conclusion. I was like. You know, this needs to happen at some point. We didn't know when. And, you know, Detroit was just kind of like the jumping off point. And, you know, we were able to win that night. And that kind of really established us in the GCW sphere. Because I've had this talk with John Thorne, AIW promoter, quite a bit. The GCW fan base isn't exactly representative of the independent wrestling fan base. There are a lot of GCW fans that they're just GCW fans. They don't follow anything and everything. Or they just kind of follow what they have. So, you know, a lot of the last three years we did outside of GCW wasn't necessarily seen. So, you know, a lot of what we had to do was introduce ourselves to those fans. And I think, you know, we were given the opportunity with, you know, a Masato's match off the rip, Bussy right after to take on two of the top tag teams and kind of go on from there. Um, So, you know, to go into that match in Atlanta and center stage, which is, as I said on Twitter that day, a venue steeped in wrestling tradition, um, probably one of the only venues in the country to host both Ric Flair and Jimmy Lloyd. Um, <laughs> but, you know, to win them there was big and just to do it, because if you look at the accomplishments that Kevin and I have had, you know, since we became a tag team in 2018, this was really like one of the last ones uh, prior to, you know, signing a major contract somewhere. So, you know, this was like the white whale per se. So, you know, it's, we're going to ride it out for what it was. And it was interesting because everything we had done in GCW was kind of squeaky clean. We'd done some doors the first Masters match. So it was a match where we felt like maybe it was, you know, we had to bleed a little bit to maybe get ingrained into that culture. <laughs> um, and I think that that was a big thing. And I think that by the end of the match, you know, while we were the heels, you know, everybody's singing zombie at the end. So yeah, it's a very desired result and I'm excited to see where it goes from here. Yeah. I mean, and by a little bit of blood, you mean a lot of blood, by the way, you guys, you guys did. I'm going to say a bit. one thing. I had a discussion with one of my friends, Dustin yet last night about this at training, the Cleveland crew of wrestlers. We are just a good set of bleeders. Okay. Myself, <laughs> Eric Dillinger, um, Josh Bishop, yeah. you know, just, if, if we're going to do anything, we run the razor, okay? We yeah. know the red equals green. Yes, very fair, very fair. And you mentioned, you know, at the end of the match, the crowd was singing zombie. I, I've, I've rewatched it many times, actually. I actually have the show replaying um, to the side here, too, as we do this interview. And I love the uh, 
it's really cool. I don't know if you've gone back and watched it, but they do a picture in picture as you guys are celebrating and it shows you guys the finish with, with you guys hitting like the chase mm-hmm. and the dragon through the, the glass with the, the chain and everything, which looks great because the way the camera is set up, it looks like Kevin kills him with that thing. It flies off his leg and then you go mm-hmm. through the, the glass. And then um, in, in simultaneously, you, you can see you on the turnbuckle singing zombie with the crowd and you just look super, super hype. And like, I can actually catch myself in the crowd. Like I'm, I'm, I'm super hyped as well. So like, man, it, it was a great moment. And it was one of those things, like you mentioned, y'all are heels on the show, but like, yeah, that was a very, very, well, you've won the crowd you know, yeah. massively. I look at, I look at like the entrance like this, obviously a, a big proponent of our success is the fact that we've created this crazy, awesome entrance that people love to be interactive with. Um, even as heels. And I look at it like this, you know, Kevin and I will always talk about our <clears throat> comfort wrestling, our era of wrestling we like is you, uh, you know, 05 to 08 Ring of Honor. Well, Brian Dielson was one of the top guys, even when he was a baby face or a heel. And it didn't matter whether he was a good guy or a bad guy. He got up on the ropes and he did the final countdown every time and the crowd loved it. And that's that three fourths of that is what wrestling is. It's about crowd interaction. If they love you and they hate you because they can love you for that second of that entrance in that sing-along but then you know you kick somebody in the face and they're like oh what a dickhead <laughs> yes oh, i do have a few follow-ups but jeremy do you have any questions before i get to more follow-ups i did have a follow-up on the the um the sit down with dave prezak you mentioned mm-hmm. you, you were talking to him were you talking to him about like working uh heel in gcw just working gcw in general uh we, okay so this was so actually I can tie this all back to Fightful, funny enough. This was the night that Sean did the spot with Shaza that is so polarizing all of a sudden. Uh, <laughs> yeah. that they all give a shit about for some reason. Um, I was, I had wrestled, we had wrestled, and then I had rode with Josh Bishop. Him and I had driven together, and I was, he was in the main event against Gangrel, so I had to wait for him. So the match had ended, and Josh is notoriously just takes forever to get done guy. Um, just like doing whatever, you know, meandering. So me and Prezak sat down, we started talking and, and we just got in like talking about everything because like Dave and I had had some health issues recently at the same time because Dave had been brought into MLW to be a producer in that same episode set that he was brought in was I was also out with my injury. So we just kind of bonded over some injury stuff and, you know, Dave and Lenny are the voice of my wrestling fandom for the most part. Um, so then we just got talking about GCW and I had said, you know, I feel like we would do really well there. I feel like the tag division hasn't had a lot of turnover, um, especially since the you know the Briscoes are gone. And he's like, I agree. And he's just like, and we just kind of got into it. And I said, you know, I feel like we could be a very missing piece for the division. He's like, I, you know, he agreed with me, and we just we kind of talked shop about it. And as 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 the Hulkster would say, we talked turkey, brother. Um, <laughs> and you know, it was a few months after that, but it just all everything about timing and that's why i try to tell all the all the aw wrestling kids that i train and i bring up you know you're on the top of the world um everything's about timing there's got to be a time and a place and there's got to be the time to bring in and whether it be you know that gcw had associated us so much with being such allies of iw tv etc and then we had our time off after we lost the belts or what it just timing was perfect and i think you know if you listen to Dave's call of our win, there's a lot of passion in there for it because I think he, you know, was a big proponent of us bringing, coming in and doing stuff like and coming in and being that heel team. And then um, also for, for kind of the heel work stuff, like, do you have a preference of working babyface in heel and changing your style when it comes to which 
whichever side you're working. We're lucky. So, so Kevin and I are lucky for some reason. It doesn't really matter whether we're babies or heels. We kind of wrestle the same no matter yeah. what. Uh, we turn up the aggression probably a little bit more when we're heels. Uh, and we kind of sell more when we're baby faces. But I would say a lot of our stuff is the exact same. Um, and kind of that aggression that we put when we're heels, we use that as our kind of fight backs and our fire when we're baby faces. So for us, it doesn't really matter. I think if any, if you ask any wrestler, most of them are going to say it's easier to be a heel because there's less pandering to the crowd. There's less having to get somebody on your side. It's way easier to just kick a dude in the face, look at the crowd with a goofy face, and make him boo you. <laughs> um, All right, go ahead, Jensen. Oh, sorry. I, I have one follow-up actually based on something you mentioned just a second ago. You were talking about Sean Ross Sapp and you know all mm-hmm. this talk about him versus Shaz and McKenzie. Um, Sean actually did a run-in on our show last week while we were live, talked a little bit about how you and Q were actually talking about maybe doing some sort of like training vignettes with him. Can you talk about that at yeah, all? Yeah, yeah. So when uh, Sean had done everything and that night I had talked to Sean, I talked to Sean off and on about a lot because him and I have a lot of similarities with the jiu-jitsu, the catch wrestling stuff. So we, we, we talk like we talked off and on about a lot of stuff. And I think I was supposed to wrestle Billy Scott who he had actually trained with in a UWF rules match, right? Right. When my, my injury had happened and I, that got canceled. So we had talked a lot about that and stuff. So when he was backstage to do the spot of LP, him and I were talking and then he did the impaler and it looked awesome. Better than like three fourths of the dudes who DDTs on the Indies currently. Um, and I was just like, yeah, I was like, if you need anything, you know, to get ready for this, just let me know. So we had talked remotely recently and I had said, how funny. And he'd asked me if we would do some stuff. And I said, how funny would it be if we did like the Jeff Jarrett MMA thing where like I had you come in to do pro wrestling with us and like you were just beating up like little kids. <laughs> and like we were doing something like that. And then it kind of went from there. So like I have no problem. Pro wrestling is built off of the carnival aspect of it. It's built off of taking you know, somebody like Sean and putting them in there to see them get their ass whooped. You know, what's the one of the most famous feuds in wrestling history? Andy Kaufman versus Kaufman, yeah. Kaufman. Yeah. And I'm sorry, Andy Kaufman's not a trained wrestler, but it's what it is. Like, and I, I believe me, I'm not by any means putting Andy Kaufman and Sean in the same <laughs> breath, you know? Oh, <laughs> he's going to, he's going to take that <laughs> run with that. Sure. But in the, in the spectrum of like wrestling is about attractions and that's what makes it different. Like, 80s WWF is about attractions. The Attitude Era is about attractions. Like, even in Japan, when you're doing crazy, the craziest stuff in the world, you still have Minoru Suzuki doing these crazy fun attraction matches. And that's like, sometimes wrestlers especially try to take this this stuff way too seriously. It's supposed to be fun, you know? This is, it's an entertainment art form as well as a sport art form. And there's supposed to be like that fun element to it. Yeah. The, the point about Suzuki is honestly fantastic because yeah you mm-hmm. look at him and he's you know, one of the most uh legit we'll, we'll say i don't know why yeah. i use quotes but like well legit wrestlers in the world and it's like oh remember when suzuki wrestled like a teenager like a child like yeah. remember when this happened it's like people just well, want to ignore that kind of stuff go um I saw somebody on my Facebook tweet about how they're never a fan of Suzuki anymore because, you know, he's a serious wrestler and he shouldn't be doing stuff. He shouldn't be wrestling a, a female that he looks like he could, he could crush. And it's like, and my one friend, Dustin, who I was, who was referencing, he brought he, he put like six YouTube clips up of like him versus a teenager, him doing like these comedy matches and hustle. And he's like, shouldn't have been a fan of him from the start then, you know? <laughs> and that's the beauty of it. Like, 
that's part of the other thing about wrestling is like not taking yourself too seriously. Like the best wrestlers are the wrestlers who are willing to kind of to, for lack of a better term, show ass. Like you gotta, like, you can't just be, I'm going to beat the shit out of this guy. Every fucking match. You gotta look like an asshole. Like, yo, you're a dumbass sometimes. And that's the importance of it. Also, to to the points of uh, Suzuki, you know Kenny Omega, widely regarded as yeah. one of the best ever. Hey, he wrestled a blow up doll, and you know he got he got some flack for that. But now people are just like, oh yeah, Omega wrestled a blow up doll, like, and everyone yeah. and people still consider him the best ever. People who are probably <laughs> mad at Sean are probably huge Kenny Omega fans. Yeah, it's it's what it is. It's just it's it's internet culture of like. We're mad at something today, and we're gonna galvanize against it. Yes. Now, I did wanna, I did wanna ask you about another Sean. Um, I caught at the end of the match after, um, after you guys won the tag team titles. Um, you got a camera up to you, and you, yeah. you said, um, "Rest in peace, uh, Sean." You know, you dedicated the match. Um, he. they touch on a young man named Caden. Um, yes, I remember those. Those are great mm-hmm. documentaries. Absolutely. Well, in that, you would see Caden's grandpa always brought him to the shows. Caden's grandpa was a fixture at every single AIW show. Um, he would come to every show. Caden's grandpa's name was John, and John passed away just a couple of days before the, the show. Um, John was always a guy who would ask you how you were doing, would make sure everything in your life was okay, and then he would ask, what's next? And that was always his big thing. He'd say, he'd say, what's next for you, Dom? And I would say, I'm just going to ride it until it doesn't ride no more, John, and stuff like that. So um, Thursday, when I flew to, to Chicago to meet with Kevin, Caden um, had, had let people know that his grandfather had passed away. And it was very sudden. He, we had just seen him at Absolution back in July. So, you know, he had a rapid health decline. Very sad. Um, so I had texted Caden Friday night and I said, Hey, I said, please, you know, stay strong, keep your head up. And then I said, you know, if we win tomorrow night, because I didn't know, I said, just, just stay tuned to the camera. And it was important for me to find that camera, grab that camera and and do that because, you know, John supported everything that any of the AIW kids have done, whether it be me, whether it be Josh Bishop, you know, Britt Baker, when she was coming out, you know, John cared about, cares about every one of those, cared about every one of those kids. So it was important for me to, even in the smallest way, A, give him the shout out and B, you know, give Caden, who is probably going through it right now, you know, something to, you know, just brighten his day up. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, rest in peace to John. To John. Hey, I, I heard Sean on the, on the broadcast, so I apologize for that. Oh, no, um, and um and Caden, you're referring to K- like like KVR two one six on Twitter. Yeah. The, always always yeah. always GIF and There's, wrestling. So they have, they have a go, they have a me right now uh, for you know funeral costs when somebody passes away unexpectedly. Uh, America, great great con- great country that you know it costs a lot of money to die. So if if anybody can help the family out, you know there's a GoFundMe up for for that. I think they're like a little over halfway there. Okay. We'll, we'll make sure that link is uh, below in the description as well uh, for for the videos. So if anybody, if you're listening to this right now, you can click the link below and you know go donate to awesome. the GoFundMe. Caden, I've never met Caden or or his uh, grandfather, but uh, yeah, all the the gifts that uh, they do mm-hmm. for wrestling is is very big, and I, that's going to lead me to another question. But I'll get to that 
I guess I can ask it now. Yeah, go ahead. So there was this, there was this uh, debate online of bringing phones to wrestling events. I don't know if you saw this, yeah, oh, but yeah. uh, that, that yeah. one I did get in on. Okay, that I mean, I, I saw. I saw was, a little bit a of it. More, that was a lot more of the group chat messages that went on that one for me. Oh, okay. All right. Um, we're actually scheduled to have Ricky Shane Page on another uh, show that I do tomorrow, and I'm going to bring this up with him. But uh, I, I do want to get your thoughts on it. So yeah. for, for those that don't know, it was a thing Beyond Wrestling put out there. Of like, hey, you guys go to a comedy show. If you lock your phones, uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts about this if we did this at a wrestling event? And I feel like for the most part, it was, yeah, this doesn't seem like a very good idea. And some people were kind of like, oh, you know, let's give it a shot type of thing. But where, where do you stand on this, Dom? I I more stand with the idea of let people have their phones. Um, I think that based on especially the infrastructure that I've seen within independent wrestling, I would not try. <laughs> I will also say this in the AW experience. Uh, the people who hop at our shows are our students. Not the brightest bunch and not the brightest bulbs in the pack sometimes. Uh, I would never trust them to get 300 phones at the, on the front end and put them away, get them all back to every time and manner, as well as find those phones in case there was an emergency to give them to somebody. So there, there are the safety concerns are there for sure. Um, the other big thing too, as to why I wouldn't like it myself is so much of coming to an independent wrestling show is that experience of meeting people, taking pictures with them, um, I would say a solid 60 to 70% of my merch sales now are done digitally based on getting that scan in and uh, like either Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, that stuff. So it's big for that in regards to that as well. That COVID changed a lot of that. Like people, that's the first thing people ask. Do you guys take, you know, digital pay payment? Excuse me. So there's that. And I think part of it too is like, we want our fan, like we want fans to be able to interact, especially live to the show and, and be able to see. Now I do get where Ricky and Drew are coming from with what they want. They want it to feel like it's special to be in that live crowd. They want, they feel like that's going to help push live, live stuff. I also know where Ricky's head is at on it too, because uh, he runs RPW up here or uh, RCW up here. And that's one of his rules is no gifts to the show, no video of the show. And for him in his mind, it's, in the way he believes is it allows young wrestlers to not get scrutinized for something they might mess up on, etc. And it's not a bad you know thought process at all. In my opinion, I think fan interaction, even if they are for lack of a better term, shitting on you will help you grow because you need to hear the good and the bad. Um, you can't be gassed up as to how good you are or, Hey, you're improving, you know, at this rate. Um, you need to be able to see that you suck sometimes um, because I will tell you when I started, not everybody was a Dominic Greeny fan. I would read a lot of tweets about how I fucking sucked. Uh, or, man, this guy doesn't wear shoes. What a fucking weirdo. Or this guy's gear sucks. Like, a million, I'd read a million things. But I would use, you know, that critique and kind of go from there on it. I used to have, I, this would just show you how my mind works. I did an AAW pre-show back maybe when I was five matches into my career. And a guy just relentlessly shit on me about how bad my gear was and how I wasn't good. And that was 2016. So that would have been March, July or August, 2016. I, it was in Chicago. So then I wrestled again in Chicago in April of 2017. 
And this guy, the same guy, I don't think he realized I was the guy in the pre-show talking how good I was and how amazing I was and bought a shirt for me. And I had that tweet saved for some reason or bookmarked and I showed it to him. And I was like, a lot of changes in seven months. And he's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And that's part of, but that's part of the beauty of it is I took this guy who hated me and thought I sucked. And six months later, he's giving me money and he's supporting, he's telling, you know, the company to bring, these companies to bring me back out. So I think that's so important. And let's be real. Independent wrestling is based off of fan dollars. So if we piss our fans off and tell them, hey, let's put the phones away, you guys can't have your phones, et cetera, then maybe they don't come to the show. And then you're hoping that that show that you now film to go on IWTV, Fight TV, whatever it is, you're hoping that the fan watches that in, in the long run. And the question is, do you we, do we want to do we want to play to the 150 to 200 in attendance, or do we want to play to the possible? you know, thousands that might watch outwardly in the other realm. I think that there's merits to both ends of it. I really do. I don't think that, you know, anything's wrong with the idea of wanting to do it like a comedy show. But I think that there's fundamental differences between the comedy show aspect and this. Um, you know, while there's always new moves we want to try that we might mess up, in the comedy realm, usually those artists are under some sort of contract that they have to try out new bits at X show to see if it will then go on their Netflix special, their D back in the day DVDs. I'm going to age myself, but those things, we don't have that. You know, a lot of it would be trial and error for us to then say, okay, did this move work? Did that sequence work? Okay. Well, we're going to do, you know, big show next week. Let's do it on that. You know, so there's stuff like that. And I get the, the sentiment that not everybody has, uh, has a ring to train in and to like have practice and say, let's try these things out here. But I think that so much of independent wrestling is the lifeblood of fan interaction, fans getting to do that stuff, uh, fans getting to take pictures with us, fans getting to buy merchandise, fans getting to film a little bit of the show and interact. Um, I always remember this from my jiu-jitsu days, and I bring this up to a lot of our students, and I say, what's the difference between going to a Browns game or, you know, the WWE and coming to us, coming to an AIW show? And the get a lot, a lot of meandering and i say the difference is that intermission you guys are out at a, at a merchandise table and that little kid that just saw you can come up and take a picture and shake your hand and talk to you and you're gonna be you know a positive influence on if that kid likes wrestling if that kid wants to become a wrestler etc whereas like if i go to the browns game i'm not gonna go and be able to hang out with david and joku at halftime <laughs> you know uh that guy is doing whatever you might see him after the game maybe he'll give me dap me up after the game and i'll remember that but you know we have such a unique experience to create and forge bonds and memories and i don't know if taking the phone away so that you know we have no pictures of the show is that big of a deal to me i guess that's where I'm, my head's at on it yeah i, I, I see both sides of it for sure yeah there's yeah. There, there's merits there's 100 percent merits both sides like straight up for a while i remember thorn didn't want us to stream on like fight or like on iwtv back in the day because like when we did akron we were like, hey, these are like shows that you have to come to. So, you know, we want to push ticket sales. And for like, if you're a live event-based company, I see some merit into not streaming, things like that. But it all just matters, you know? It, just, it matters. Yeah. First of all, one of the big things is it matters what your, what your end game is as a company. I think that for Ricky and RCW, a lot of, you know, his idea there is taking young wrestlers, giving them an outlet, and giving them a chance to, you know, do it where it's not seen under the big media eye, except if somebody's paying for it, which is which is a great idea. And, and you know, he, he'll be successful if he wants it to be. So you just, it all matters. Well, I, I look forward to 
talking to Ricky about that and you bring up the, the points about and uh, RCW and everything. I free, free advice for some promotions and maybe I'm off base here, but like when we, when I do like results and stuff for shows, most of the like clips media and stuff are from like fans and everything. I, I would like promotions. Like if you want to put your product out there a little bit more, like put your own media out there in that because these wrestlers you know a lot of wrestlers like this is how they sometimes get discovered it's like oh i saw this gif i saw that clip i, I saw that clip i saw this picture and, that's, that's and a, a lot of promotions picture. don't do that and that's and, and that's bring back caden you know caden gifts something and and people see it like he gift this was a couple years this is 2018 i want to say i wrestled in this main event versus tom lawler uh, it was like a tag match and I gave him this German suplex and we had this old vinyl canvas on the ring and he slid the entire length of the ring and it was like the wildest gift or like there's another yet to be gift that's famous of like Janela just throwing a chair behind him and out of nowhere it lands perfectly in the ring so like that there's there's merits to it yeah I think like I said I think it matters on all different levels I think beyond wrestling at its where it's at would have a very difficult like idea of taking the phones away but you know drew has run shows where they don't stream live and you don't really know the results until they put it on ivy tv which is great i'll tell you in the results realm kevin ford used to message me after every aiw show for results uh to put up on pw ponderings and I, it never bothered me to go ahead and do that for him and you know it, that's a great thing if promoters are willing to you know just all it takes is just sending the results and if you're a promoter likely you wrote the card before you got to the, the building. You can just put a note in your phone and send it to PW Pondering, send it to you guys. It, it would help them out a lot. Yeah. I mean, just for, for what it's worth, anyone who is watching this that does run promotions, I mean, that's very common that someone will hit up myself or Jeremy and I'll direct them over to Jeremy and we'll, we'll make sure their results are getting out there. And then like Jeremy said, a lot of the time on the website underneath the results, the media that we're using for that is going to a lot of time be, clips that fans took themselves um but once again i understand but like because you could also yeah. look at the company like pwg and say like well they've run this type of well, like you know exclusive type of thing and it works for them for so long you know and, and well if you look into what where beyond wrestling started in this it was ricky and drew started it and they started it in like Elyria, ohio to sandusky ohio and it was you know closed set studio taping so I, a lot of it, I think, is they would they would love the idea of going back to the way it used to be, which I think you can do. But I think that it's, it can't be curated in the way of like, hey, normal show, but we're taking the phones away. I think it's got to be a very special event. You have to say, we have this event. It's going to be like a closed set taping, essentially, almost like Lucha Underground to a point where you're like, hey, we're selling 100 tickets to this event. You at the On the front end, you're giving up your phone. And like, it's got to be known. I think that doing it in like a large scale wouldn't work, but I think doing it in like a small scale and possibly creating a very raucous crowd would work very well. Yeah. I mean, a, a handful of years ago, I attended a few days worth of oh, uh, yeah. dojo pro taping. Oh yeah. I knew right where you're going with that. Yeah. One. <laughs> and we all, we, and we, we all signed NDAs. Mm -hmm. So yeah, um, and that's, and that's yeah. how Lucha Underground worked is they would, they would bring the extras and they would all sign NDAs and you didn't see anything. So if you, the idea is you want to do this idea, I think that there's ways to do it. Like I said, I think you you have a lawyer drop NDAs. You say, we have 100 tickets. You're going to sign an NDA. You can't let this out. We're going to put this out weekly episodically or whatever we're going to do or or one big, big go. And if you want that feeling, and if that works and you're successful on that a couple of times, then 
you can increase the number of tickets, et cetera, go from there. Like there's ways to do yeah. it. I think that possibly the framing of it wasn't the right way in the tweet, but also it's the internet. People are going to come yep. crazy at everything. Yeah, true. Now, now something Whether else. They I, love it or they hate it. <laughs> true. Now, some, something else I wanted to ask you about that kind of ties into this is, um, I know that. So, like, it also kind of ties back to something you mentioned earlier in this interview about how a lot of people thought that you were like a like a southeast guy mm-hmm. for a long time. Um, part of that is because of like your work and stuff that we were mentioning before. You were a Southern Underground Pro Bone Storm champion. I, I knew you as as like that guy, the bone collector originally, mm-hmm. and I. I New Kevin Ku at the time, I believe he was like the tri-state champion. Um, he was a singles guy as well. And I know that there was a lot of like negative feedback initially to the idea of like you going into tag team wrestling, yeah. like, like you and Q wouldn't fit well together. This wouldn't work. This yeah. is a bad idea. And now look what you guys have accomplished. I'd just like to kind of know your thoughts on, uh, it can maybe just address the haters maybe a little bit on that. Uh-oh. I don't know. Okay. That's good. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> It's funny because I, if you saw my tweet after we won, yes. it was literally, I had multiple people tell me in 2018, this is, what are you doing? Like, you're very successful as a singles. Like, like you're like you, I had just pretty much gotten done with my run and evolve at that time. And true story, Gabe had told me when I was, when I had, you know, kind of gotten killed off from evolve, you know, he had said, reach out to me in about two months. I would like to bring you back as a singles and push you. And I said, okay. Um, I wasn't in an awesome spot in my life at that point, uh, mentally. Um, so I had kind of just, you know, Kevin and I had linked up and honestly, like I said, I think last time we just watched a lot of progress, uh, and we watched a lot of ring comp and it was a lot of the same idea of Tim and Walter don't really fit together as a tag team, but when you put them together, it just works. Um, and that was kind of our thought process is we could do this in a lot of our thought process too was there's no real ass kicker tag team on the indies per se. And at that time, the 2018 indie tag scene is not what the current 2023 indie tag scene is. It was, it was pretty bare and pretty barren and people didn't want to be a tag team. Uh, You know, I talked with, I've talked with people before and I always say this, like no one gets into wrestling and says, you know what? I want to main event WrestleMania and a tag team. You know, the idea is I want to be world heavyweight champion and I want to win the world heavyweight title on WrestleMania alone be the sole, you know, proprietor of that. And I guess just because I had seen single stuff and I'd done it, I was like, I really don't care whether I get the success by myself or I get to, you know, awesomely share it with the guy who became my best friend. Um, so the I then went back to a, like an interview I remember hearing Ethan Page talk about. And I had gotten a lot of time to spend with Ethan Page Early in my career, because he was an AEW mainstay, I had done a couple of Evolve road trips where I just drove him around. Um, I got to pick his brain a lot, but he had a podcast with Josh Alexander uh, years ago, and they had talked on it about Monster Mafia and, you know, why they did it. And they did it because they both agreed that at the time, that was their way to get to PWG. They said, we could we could keep on trying to be singles guys and get there, but there's less tag teams than our singles and we're good and we have good chemistry. So it was that way. So that was another idea that Kevin and I had was that, you know, while we were good as singles, we knew that we could put the chemistry together and become a good tag team. And it just became kind of like a labor of love of figuring everything out. And, you know, as we always talk about, we credit a lot of that first Aussie open match to a lot, Kyle and Mark were very kind to us and gave us a lot of great advice on the end of it. And just from there, it was just kind of like a proponent of, moving on and moving on and moving on and moving on. And 
just trying to get better every time out. So to the haters that said, why do you want to be a tag team? I guess, you know, as one of the most consistently booked acts on the 2023 indie scene, it worked out pretty well. And that was, we, I had a talk with Gabe, actually. Uh, he was at the Prestige show last year, about a year ago. And he asked me and he said, <clears throat> what do you credit your guys' run to? And I said, well, that's, you know, that's a good question. Uh, he's like, because you guys were both remotely, you know, successful singles guys. And I said, well, I said to us, we were willing to kind of eat shit at the start to get ourselves out there. And we took anything and everything we could as a tag team to start. Um, and from there, you know, the idea was, and Gabe asked me specifically, he said, it's really hard, you know, as a tag team to, to get a lot of traction because you're paying two flights or you're paying two sets of trans. And I said, well, for us, it's even harder because we lived eight hours apart at the time or six hours, whatever it was. And I, he's like, so how'd you do it? I said, well, simple. I said, we would usually be willing to come way down on our rate as long as all of our transportation was covered because we knew two things. We knew we were good enough in the ring that you'd want to bring us back at a higher price later on. And we knew that we were good enough in the ring that the crowd would respond to us and they want to buy our merchandise. And that's an old idea I took from Colt Cabana and the Bucks. The idea is as long as your transportation is covered and you have good merchandise and you're going to make money on that, the wrestling money is just gravy on the end of that. And that was how we started. And we did a lot of really, really, really rough shows in the South and, you know, the Midwest. And it kind of built from that to where we are now. Um, and that's the thing a lot of young wrestlers come into the game and they, you know, oh, this isn't worth my time. Everything's worth your time because valuable reps are valuable reps. Um, you know, if what makes you a better wrestler sitting at home on the weekend doing nothing or, you know, getting out there and wrestling in front of, you know, podunk and nobodies that don't know what wrestling is and getting them into the match because the way you wrestle for AIW sub GCW is entirely different than you're going to wrestle for the local indie you know, in Texarkana. And that's yeah. so important. And and too many people, I watch too many of my own kids and I have to criticize them. They'll they'll go out and try to have this A to B style match. And I said, what'd you learn tonight? And they'll be like, uh, and I'm like, you can't have that match everywhere. I was like, you have to adjust to where you're at. I said, you can do the the Phoenix Splash here and they're not going to care. I said, but if you do a Stone Cold Stunner, they're going to lose their mind because that's what they associate wrestling with. They That's what they know. You do that stuff. That's that's the key, and that's that's a big that's a Chandler Biggins line uh, line of thought that he taught me when I was young in wrestling. He said, "You learn how to wrestle in wrestling school, but you learn how to work on the road." And that always stayed with me, and that will always stay with me. Did uh, did you do you have any just out of curiosity, any like particularly bad like uh like stories or anything from like any of these like you said you and Q had to work like really like random crazy yes. like just do you have any do you have any we, like just wild stories a lot of the arena in jeffersonville okay gotcha yeah okay Fair, yeah that's enough said the point that the idea of riding the arena in jeffersonville with any of us and three other people in the car to keep me sane <laughs> is uh it's not a lot like i love you gary and paradigm but god anywhere <laughs> god anywhere else. okay fair enough fair enough uh but no i mean like we have like small like little shows you know down in those areas, but you know, part of that is also what made Kevin and I good yes. because we would have these drives and we'd be figuring out how are we going to do this? What are we going to do? Hey, should we do this time? What do you think about this? And that's the other thing too. If you're going to become a tag team and I, any of my young tag teams that have come across the IW school, 
I'm not saying you guys got to be best friends because some of the best tag teams in the history of wrestling actually hate each other. Like two cool known teams hate each other. Uh, it helps out a lot if you guys are best friends. Believe me, you're going to be a lot better if you're best friends. But you guys have to have a, a kind of a one-track mind together uh, that allows you to see eye to eye and come up with these ideas and build and work off of each other. Like I can tell you right now, there are times where Koo and I are a married couple. Uh, we each have an idea that we're very strongly in a belief of, and we will argue and argue and argue to the point where one of us has to leave the room. And then one of us will be like, okay, let's, let's settle this and we'll do this. Um, usually I'm the one because I'm a little less hard headed than him. And I have like a really weird conscience. I'm like, you know what? Maybe he was right. Like we got in an argument one night about what gear to wear one weekend. Like we didn't, really? I didn't funny. like the way this one pair of gear fit. He liked, he liked the idea of wearing a scar and, and we argued about it through text. And I was like, you know what? I was like, you know what? You're right. We'll just wear the gear. Okay. <laughs> but how did, too. how did the gear turn out? Like once you finally, once you got to oh, the show, you worked. The gear was fine. The gear was always fine. It was just earlier this year. I went from like the board shorts to like actual tight fitting gear. So the original pair of gear that he and that Kevin had made me is board shorts. So I wanted a pair that was like, that was like, um, that was like tight. So I didn't want to go because it was two matches in a night. So I didn't want to wear the, the tight gear first match to then loose gear second match. Cause I thought it looked weird. Uh, so I just kind of had to like settle on. I was like, you know what? You're right. Um, <laughs> an all time classic me and him argument. <laughs> I'm just, of just stupidity, but, um, overall, yeah, if you can create a meaningful relationship with that partner, and it's not just like, hey, we text once a week. Like, if you text on a daily and you figure things out, you're going to be great. And that's the other big thing is, like I said, if you want to become a tag team, or if you, or if tag team wrestling is your at least pathway to success, make it that way. Don't resent it. Make it that way and say, you know what? Let's let's make let's make the most out of this. Let's build and let's do great. Um. When we had you on earlier this year, it was before GCW, and it was also before a particular match against the Motor City Machine Guns uh, that happened at DEPW. Now that the, the match has happened, uh, your thoughts on it and sharing the ring with uh, Shelly and Saban? Um, two of the absolute best professional wrestlers of my era. Um, not my best performance. Um, I know Kevin did fine, and, and obviously Alex and, and Saban were great. Not my best night. Um, because true story that morning um i was on my flight to go to dpw and i had actually we had gotten on the flight i'd seated and it had been about 15 minutes and i was like this is weird so then next thing i know they come over the pa and they say hey there's a full ground stop there's a security issue um we're you know it's going to be you know a, a slight delay an hour later we still haven't taken off and i'm looking at my i'm looking at my layover in Chicago to go to Raleigh Durham, uh, not a very populated airport per se. And I'm like, Oh, this is bad. I was like, this might not happen. So I get up and I asked the, the flight attendant. I said, Hey, I said, if you don't mind me asking, I said, do you happen to have any idea how long this could be? I was like, because my connection is in pure danger. And she's just like, uh, we don't really know. And she, she had me go through and look at it. And she's like, I would call and see if they can get you on a different connection. So I called, and the Southwest people are like, uh, you can't do anything while you're on the plane. And I was like, oh, great. 15 more minutes passes and still nothing. So I'm, I asked her, I was like, am I okay to deplay if need be? I was like, figure this out. And she's like, yeah. So I finally, they put on, okay, they've opened everything back up. 
I have an hour between the flight from Cleveland to Chicago and my, uh, and then I have to also have to catch the connection. And I'm like, oh, this is tight. So another five minutes passes and we have not done anything, nothing, no movement has happened. And they're like, yeah, they're like, uh, the other flight that we pulled people from, they're like, they had to get all their bags to the plane. So it's going to be like 30 more minutes. I said, please let me off the plane. <laughs> and uh, they let me off and I went to the desk and like, yeah, they're like, we have no flights to get you to Raleigh Durham. It's a Sunday. Like you're screwed. I said, that's fine. I said, this is an eight hour drive. I said, I'll do it. It was like 8 a.m. So I texted Johnny, John Blood, and I said, hey, I said, please don't be alarmed. I said, uh, my flight is fucked. Uh, but I said, I'm going to drive. I said, I'll see you guys. I said, I don't know when I'll see you, but I'll see you. Uh, so I texted one of my students, Xavier, uh, Xavier Garcia, or Zay Garcia, and I said, I knew he was a big DPW guy. And I said, hey, I said, are you busy? And he said, no. I said, do you? I said, I just need someone to ride with me. I said, I do not care. I said, I need someone to ride with me so I don't die. Got in the car, drove eight hours. So I went eight hours straight in the car, pretty much got out. Everything was already called for me. Uh, and it was, like I said, it's not my best performance. If you come out of the car when you're not expecting to come out of the car after eight hours, everything's off a little bit. But the match itself, people seem to love. The environment was insane. That DPW crowd is just so infectious. And, you know, Alex and, and Saban were on their game. And I think that, you know, hopefully we get to do some more versus them in DPW down the line. Okay, can I just give you kudos real quickly for doing I've I've done the I've had to make this drive uh, a lot this year from Cleveland to Raleigh, essentially. So I know the drive like the back of my hand, dude, make making that drive. It's not like difficult or anything. Like It's a pretty straight shot. You go. Yeah, it's long and you go through the 77. Yeah, yeah. So like, I know I know the drive getting out of there, like and then wrestling a match just props on that. I don't, I'm, your performance might not have been what you wanted to, but like I do that drive and I get to my destination. I'm like, I'm going to bed. Uh, yeah. this I'm done with this day. Yeah. It's, it's funny because Zay doesn't have a driver's license, which is like a Cleveland wrestling training thing. None of these kids have driver's license. It's insane. <laughs> it's just absolutely insane. It really blows my mind for seven years. It, so if we have five new kids at the school, three of them don't have a driver's license and they are a driving agent. Couldn't drive. Uh, so I, the way back is what sucked because I live in Canton. So I live an hour south of Cleveland. So I had yeah. to pass my house to drop Xavier off and then drive an hour back <laughs> that Monday. And I was just like, this, I'm so miserable. Oh, uh, and you, so you did it Sunday to Monday as well. Yeah. So you basically just drove, wrestled, drove back. I slept, uh, I guess. We, I had a, we had a hotel. So I, I stayed and then I got the next morning. We drove that, that, that next day, but oh, it, it was not fun. And yeah, the only other drive that compares to it in, I guess I do it because I just like the environment of the company so much is C4 is about seven and a half hours from here. And I'm pretty consistent with that, but we've kind of created a car load that goes to C4 and it's myself, Isaiah Broner and Josh Bishop. And we kind of just have like a whole unison group of how we do it. And the only time that drive ever got really hairy was last year around this time, there was a day and I will always remember the week because there was a terrible snowstorm that hit through Buffalo and it dropped like two feet of snow because the Browns were supposed to play the bills in Buffalo and they moved the game to Detroit because right. of how bad the snow was. And that Friday was the day it all snowed and we had to go to C4. And I told, you know, Mark, the promoter, I said, we'll get there. And he said, are you sure? I said, yeah, I think so. I mean, like, like Huff couldn't even get out of his driveway to go to the show. So that normal eight hour drive turned into 12 hours one way is the way it had to reroute me. It had to pull, fully, uh, pushed me around Buffalo and I had like a Toyota Camry as a rental 
and uh, Chase Oliver came with me that day and, and Bishop. And we hit about seven inches of snow in Watertown, New York. And 20 miles per hour, white knuckling through, getting through that snow was insane to the point where Josh Bishop's dad saw me two weeks later and said, I don't know how you did that, man. Like a Toyota Camry through, through seven, eight inches of snow. That's crazy. Man. Um, so something else. Did you have any other follow-ups about the drive or anything, Jeremy? Oh, no. I was just going to say, All yeah, right. Camry through a bunch of snow. I had, when I first moved here to Ohio, I had a Mustang, which you know, it's, it's oh, at no. least, uh, but, you know, very low to the ground and everything. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I moved here. I, I When I moved here, it was a, a snowstorm, like, that kind of weekend. And I'm like, yep, got to – I needed I needed to upgrade anyway because because yeah. kids. But, yeah, I had a Mustang. I was like, nope, this ain't going to last very long here in Ohio. <laughs> Hey, uh, another thing I wanted to ask you about, you know, coming you know, off of kind of talking about a dream match there with Motor City Machine Guns that you got to have. Um, and I, I don't know if you can even speak to this or not, but I'm just curious. Um, there was FTR, they were doing open challenges recently. And VIF was a team that every week I was coming on the show and I was like, hopefully this week it's VIF. And it's like, <laughs> I see the Vork Horseman pop up and I'm like, yeah, is it very easily also be VIF? Like, where are they at? <laughs> um, were there any conversations at all about that? No, um, we we did do extra work. I think maybe one time during that period. Um, that period would have would have been in Cleveland. So I wrestled. For some reason we were in opposite matches. I don't know. You had both of us. So, uh, but Kev wrestled with the Outrunners versus Willie Mack and the Infantry, and then I wrestled Josh Woods. I think part of that was, uh, I think that they knew my background, so people thought Woods and I'd be a good matchup. So that's why they did it. But like, that was the week before the open challenges started. And that was really like the only kind of time we were there. It's a match that if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. We'll see, you know, what it takes to get there. Um, yeah. You know, we've done everything we can to make it happen. I know we've had promoters inquire about making it happen. I know uh, if it happens, it happens. I'm obviously, you know, GCW is pulling some cool stuff off. I mean, they just got Andrade. So yeah. You know, yeah, for sure. I mean, it just felt like the stars had aligned. I was like, oh, here yeah. it is. This is yeah. the... <laughs> I mean, well, it was, it's weird because the way it worked was like, open challenge, open challenge. Lose time. Over. It was like, oh. It was done. Yeah. Right. I think they did what? Three? Three of them? Maybe two or three. Two or three. Yeah. So, like, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. You know, the idea is always be ready for, for anything. So that's kind of our thought process is we're always going to be ready and we'll see, you know, if anything comes of it. Yeah, well, you know, a team that you guys did get to wrestle already three times. We talked about them a little bit earlier. Los Macisos. You came into GCW. You beat those guys. They beat you guys in the rematch, and then of course you won the the rubber match to win the titles, the center stage, as we were talking about before. What does it mean not just to be the GCW champions? Because I know that you know it was a title, like you said, that was the big elusive mm-hmm. championship, kind of in like the world of like the independent uh, scene that hey, you guys had in Andy Stone. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, but not only that you want it, but you want them from Los Macisos, who, uh, and for my money, are the most decorated, you know, the four, former four-time GCW tag champs. Like, So not only did y'all win, you beat probably the best tag team in the company's history for the titles. Yeah, I mean, Macisos are one of the most underrated teams out there. I think everybody just thinks that they're blood and guts guys, uh, but they're just good wrestlers, too. Uh, you know, those are guys that care a lot about wrestling and, you know, I feel like our styles have meshed very well in the, th- in the three matches we've had, you know, each one of them has been a little bit different. The first one was more of a straightforward affair. The second one was kind of more of like uh, what they would call like a bullshit affair with the, us doing the Chola stuff at the start of the match. And then the third match was just kind of like the brawl. 
So I think that there's so many different ways we could go with it. And I think that those guys are so versatile in terms of the ability to do normal matches and then death matches and all that stuff. And, you know, I'm like a closet death match ghoul, if anybody knows me. So obviously, you know, maybe if down the line, one of those guys wants to do a singles of a death match, I'd be more than willing to, you know, do that. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at the way the GCW tag divisions run, GCW has been around since what, about 2015, I think. 2014 maybe yeah something like uh, that so in time there's really been no tag team that's like them i mean four four-time champs uh i mean they've beaten everybody there they've beaten the briscoes they've beaten sgc whichever iteration you want to go of them Wolfpack, black and white whatever it is <laughs> yeah uh, bussy uh east west express they've beaten everybody i mean and then did uh Masizo? no because uh east west express lost to the or beat the guns so I mean, they've wrestled the guns. They wrestled everybody. So, I mean, for us to get a nice to get this initial three match series out of the way with them is great. And I think obviously those guys aren't going to take lightly to losing. So, I'm sure yeah. we're not done with them. Well, and like you said, you know, I'd like to see a singles match with you in either Cyclope or Mito Streamo because both of those guys are like you guys, like you and Koo, where you're both they're they're really good singles wrestlers too. Like mm-hmm. whenever they get these kind of random opportunities every now and then they'll even be like the same it's like it's you and q i see this happen sometimes we're even like the same tournaments with one another in yeah. singles tournaments and you come, come across wrestling each other and stuff so um yeah i always uh i, I appreciate that i'd love to see more between yeah. you guys as singles or a tag team absolutely speaking of you know now you're the champions of course uh, there are a lot of baby face teams you know there are just teams of you know every team out there like yeah. you, do, you, do you have anybody like in mind as far as like challengers or is just like just I, I someone comes like, step up we'd like to wrestle east west express i know that that obviously it's a little harder to pin nick lane down these days than it sure. would have been a year ago uh how dare he turn 18 and be signed <laughs> right away when he's 18 Fucking asshole. yeah uh, uh what a jerk kind of anybody and everybody i think that the gcw lexicon gives us the ability to kind of really anybody out there um Obviously, I think you look at there's some teams out there like I know Janelle and Sawyer Rex seem to team a lot. I think us versus SGC like Nance and uh, Manders would be really good. Um, they just had War Dogs in, and I would love to wrestle Gabe and Alex like badly. Um, so realistically, you know, whatever comes, you know, we're really ready to take. So when it looked like after you won the title that you were offering Masisos like. If you want these, like, you know where yeah. to find us. So, yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, yeah. th- those guys didn't need to give us, you know, a title match. I mean, they technically beat us the last match we had. So, you know, that's the way it works. You know, we're dickheads, but, you know, we're realistic dickheads. <laughs> that's one of the, the beauties of us as a tag team. I wanna, I wanna Actually, one them. match that one match that I could set, I could see set up for us. And it's like an ultimate Joey Janela spring break type of match. There's two matches that I think they could set up for us that I would love. One is a little more, I guess, feasible than the other. One would be us versus astronauts, uh, Namora and Abe. Okay. Uh, Mainly because uh, we wrestled Abe last year and I want to wrestle Namora because I think that there's a lot of similarities between us. I also think that a lot of people say that astronauts are one of the best tag teams in the world. And I just love to have that matchup. The other one that is like the most that is the most Joey Janelle spring break booking of all time would be if you know when he comes back would be us versus Red Dragon. Um, oh, oh I man! Very, yes, I think it's very possible to make happen. You know, as long as you know Kyle's okay. Obviously, he's coming back from the neck surgery. But if he comes back, I think like 
when like you have those old John Carlo vignettes, you could do almost like one of those with like a double dragon arcade game where it's like us beating people up and then it's like who will step up to fight the bosses and then I don't know where it's like Kyle and Bobby. So oh my god, that's awesome. Pirates of both y'all hitting chasing the dragons on people and stuff yeah. and the influences <laughs> oh, yeah. there. Oh man, dude. I mean that's that's you know we, a lot of people have talked about you and FTR and stuff. Like my my ultimate match yeah. would, for you guys would be well, would be Kyle and 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 Bobby yeah, and, and we and we powdered a lot of everything we did off Kyle and Bobby and you know, until we found kind of like, we used to just do the regular ch chasing the dragon, but then we found our way to like make it ours. So yeah, it's a big thing. And that's like, you know, I'm hoping, you know, I've seen Kyle's recovery videos and Kyle was one guy that I, I had pushed for John to really book before he got signed by the WWE. And it was just the time he just didn't work out because it was all so fast from the ROH thing to then kind of going dark to then ending up right in NXT. So I know we tried to do it. And I remember talking to Britt and I said, Hey, uh, you tell Kyle, tell Gary, can you tell Adam to tell Kyle, you know? <laughs> so it just never worked out. But I, I, think, I think we're in a, we're in a, a way where if Kyle wants to take, you know, a random, you know, indie booking, you know, if his body allows it, that that is a place where they could set up and it'd be sick. I want to throw one team at you uh, that Kevin mentioned to us uh, on a different yeah, show. Grizzled Young Veterans. Oh yeah, yeah. We yeah. Are, are, are in in the DPW verse. Our good friends that we just called up the day that their contracts ended to wrestle the workhorse. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, to us, GYV represent everything that is great about tag team wrestling. Um, not going to say they were misused in the WWE, but when they went from being super awesome, serious tag wrestlers to color, no color contact guys, it kind of stole what they were great at. Um, so we talked with them a lot at DPW live, uh, DPW live three. And I know that that's a match that, you know, the DPW boys want, we want, so we're hoping it comes down the line here soon. Uh, you do have a dream match, uh, coming up, um, next weekend, next weekend Dude, against Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, what, what can, what can fans that's, I would go to this, but it's WrestleCade weekend and I'm going yeah. to North Carolina for WrestleCade. Otherwise I would 100% be at the we end got, show. We actually got hit up to do uh, the GCW WrestleCade show. And I told Brett, I said, I got I said, I got a big one. I can't really do that one. Uh, yeah. Man. So <laughs> John, John will usually consult me before he books a name or, or anybody or, or stuff. He's, and he said, he said, I hit Rocky up. He said, uh, he offered Kenta. And I said, oh, I said, really? And he's like, yeah. I, I was like, well, I said, I don't think Kenta's probably ever been in this area, nor will he probably ever come back to this area. <laughs> uh, I was like, so you should take it. And then it was kind of like the proponent of, well, who should get him? And, you know, we had some ideas and he just, he, you know, some people were like, hey, do Tom Waller versus Kenta. And in John's theory is Tom Waller versus Kenta could happen at any New Japan wrestling show. It sure. really could. Uh, I honestly, I think Dorn had thought it happened on a New Japan Strong Show, and I think I did too. Uh, it hasn't, but the idea was let's do, you know, kind of what makes Ada be famous, and that's a match that you really can't get anywhere else. And, you know, obviously over the last four years, a lot of my style has become kind of like that New Japan, uh, the New Japan, just the Japan kind of, as Dorn would say, the kick the shit out of you style. Uh, I'm going to hit you really hard style. Um, and Kenta really originated that as a junior heavyweight. And I, you know, watched a lot of Kenta, you know, coming up and 
the idea of getting to wrestle that guy is an amazing idea. I mean, if you look behind me, um, you can see this Ring of Honor poster. If I can, uh, my head's in the yeah, way. Otherwise, there you go. The yeah, there we go. Yeah. Poster, that's the Boy of Honor where Kenta debuted. Uh, and I bought that to put up in my house. And, you know, Kenta versus Danielson is like one of my favorite matches ever. And that ROH run he had is amazing. Like, there is some HD net stuff that no one's seen of like him versus Roddy and him versus Hero that are just unreal. So my hope is to, you know, bring it out of him and get, you know, it's like those matches out of him, you know. I want him to come here. I want him to, you know, literally hit me as hard as he can. And, you know, I want to have that feeling. And I think we're, I'm hoping that, you know, the fans, you know, give us the streamer treatment. And I'm just really excited for it. Um, I'm very excited just for everything about it. Um, there's not a lot of guys left for me in terms of the dream match list. Um, so Kento was one I probably thought I wouldn't ever get to check off. So I'm happy about that, you know. And I'm just really excited. That venue that we're running in is a great venue. It's big, open volleyball area, um, great lighting. So it should be awesome. I'm very excited about it. Any uh, any thoughts on Chris Hero's return, just since you mentioned oh, him? Yeah. Well, my good friend Derek Dillinger, who's my coach here at the school, he is like a direct disciple now of Chris. They talk pretty regularly. Uh, we just had Chris in for a seminar about a month ago. I would say a little over a month ago. And I'm, I'm so excited for Chris to come back. I remember when he had first gotten released, uh, Thorne had wanted to book him on multiple dates for AIW, and one of the matches was going to be Lee Moriarty just because we knew how important that match was to kind of both of them. And then the other one he wanted to do – he, I think he wanted to do three. I think he wanted to do that. I think he knew Derek wanted to wrestle him really bad, and then I had wanted to wrestle Chris really bad. So he kind of wanted to try to do all three, but, you know, Chris at the time wanted to take that time off, and he's been out. Independent wrestling with Chris Hero is entirely better. Um, Chris has obviously been doing a lot with AEW as a producer, but him coming back to the independents to help teach young wrestlers as well as work with them is going to be – just paramount to, you know, kind of independent wrestling run. What a lot of people don't understand, and this is another talk that Thorne and I have a lot, is when I came along in 2016, I started training in 2015, 2016, there was a, a, a real, like, large amount of independent wrestling veterans out there uh, that young wrestlers could learn from, get in the ring with, and just it'd be infinitely better for wrestling them. The WWE and definitely AEW coming along has really kind of robbed that talent base from the indies of talented independent wrestlers that wrestlers can learn from uh, because they're mostly all under contract now. Um, there are exceptions to that rule. I think like Tony Deppin is one of those exceptions to the rule. If you wrestle Tony, he's you're probably going to get an amazing match out of him. He's going to teach you a lot. Um, I think that like now he's back out there. Hot sauce Tracy Williams is another guy like that. Uh, I learned so much from working a lot of my early matches with hot sauce and getting it to spend time with him in uh, evolve. So I think that Chris coming back gives one of those veterans back to the independents uh, that will be extremely important to the growth of young wrestlers. Because a lot of the time now, it seems like the independence is a lot of blind, not necessarily blinding the blind. It's just a lot of young guys working with young guys, having the best match on the card, but not necessarily learning as much as they need to. And the hope here is is that guys like Chris here, guys like myself and Kevin being out there, you know, and how now being six year plus veterans, being able to help, you know, young kids out. Um, it's just, it's infinitely better. And 
I'm I'm so happy that Chris is coming back. I'm so happy that you know he gets Russell Thatcher, who's awesome, who I wrestled earlier this year, who I, I loved him. He's one of my favorite humans in the world. Not even wrestlers, just humans. Um, so it's just it's like I said, it's a big it's a big boot it's a big swoon for independent wrestling. It's <clears> going to make everything and everybody better. Dom, I want to thank you for for joining us tonight. Uh, usually, we we ask the the coolest thing in your room. I don't know if you've had any additions since we talked to you earlier this year but if you have a, another cool thing in your room i could give, give i could give you the really basic answer which would be oh. you got that gcw title next to you yeah. <laughs> let's go let's go we always like when the, when people show off the titles yeah always like it i had so, the thing on my shoulder last weekend it was awesome yeah. it's the biggest belt ever um yeah i just got something i i'm trying to remember what it was um actually i'll show you this pair of shoes that i've never worn yes so if anybody knows Koo and I, they know that we're really big Disney guys. Um, it's our goal to go to every Disney. We're two Disney short. Um, we all, The only two we haven't been to are uh, Hong Kong and Shanghai. So if you don't have any wrestling companies, neither of those places that want to run a wrestling show so we can go. But preferably, <laughs> if you, if you, preferably if you run that show, please book Shitty here at Irie as well as he's a big Disney guy, and we just want to go with him to those parks. Um, there you go. But yeah, so when I was in my depressive state a couple years ago, I was just spending money on anything and everything. So I had seen these vans that had come out, and my favorite Disney movie is Toy Story. So I bought these vans that are oh, the Toy Story Alien. Those are lit. And those I have are never sweet. Worn- so I've never worn them. They have like they're glow in the dark. I have the tags on them, and I'm like a wear my shoes kind of guy. So these just sit in this really awesome Annie's room box uh, <laughs> right here, and I just have them on display. So this is like I didn't even think about these last time, but they are really cool shoes that I should probably wear, but don't wear. <laughs> Dude, it's funny because I'm not used to seeing you wearing shoes. Well, that was so that was the big thing too. Everybody used to always be like, "You wearing shoes is like such an adjustment." I had one fan that said that they didn't like me until I wore shoes. I had a couple of fans that said that. And I said, I wrestled the same. Yeah. I said, I said, shoes were that much of a hang up for you, huh? <laughs> and Effie, Effie, I've never seen a human being as happy as Effie is when I put shoes on. He said, you can't give away that content for freedom. <laughs> <laughs> you would know. Yeah. He'll, he'll market the hell out of that. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Effie's a man. That's hilarious. Uh, thank you again yeah. for joining us, Dom. Let everybody know where they can find you out, what you got coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so obviously we have a pretty busy GCW schedule. When does this come out? Uh, uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Oh, perfect. So uh, Friday night, you can catch us in Seattle as we will be wrestling the Bollywood Boys uh, for the Game Changer Wrestling Tag Team titles. Um, next week, Friday, I will be at AIW Hell on Earth uh, Wrestling Kenta, as we discussed. Um, a lot of great matches on that card. Derek Dillinger, Isaiah Broner for the title is going to be a great match. Also, we booked a sick four-way, which is Trey Lamar versus Josh Bishop versus Filthy Tom Waller versus Rocky Romero. So if you have the fight, if you have a fight TV subscription, uh, check that show out, whether it be when it happens or right after. Um, I am, I believe, off. No, the next week is Black Table Pro, Slamilton, where we're going to wrestle the Bang Bros. Uh, they are the team that dethroned us a year ago for the Black Belt Pro Tag Titles, so we're coming back for them. Um, then that Sunday, we will be on the GCW Brooklyn show. Uh, the week after that, we are in California for GCW and LA. Um, I think finally, 
or no, so GCW in LA, next day DPW in Raleigh. Uh, holy cow, god damn, Man, you guys are busy all over uh, the place. I love it. I think I want to say the week after that, we're off. Yeah, I'm off because I might go to the Browns game that weekend. <laughs> uh, matters on what day they play, and I have a company work dinner I have to do that week. Uh, and then Christmas that is the week after that, and then uh, New Year's Eve, but that weekend is another crazy weekend. The 29th, I have AIW. Um, we're gonna run the Temple Live. Um, we have a very big uh, meet and greet for that. I'm not going to spoil it. The storm will kill me. I'll let him make the announcement to me at social. But December 29th, Cleveland Temple Live should be an awesome post-Christmas uh, extravaganza. December 30th, we have ETU, um, Kevin and I. And then we are both that same night uh, at the White Eagle. We're both going to be in the SPO Battle of the Tough Guys uh, to, you know, honor, you know, SPO who we lost earlier this year uh, in the pit. So, Kevin and I are both in that. And then on New Year's Eve, we will be at GCW again. Gotcha. And just for the record, when, when I had mentioned um, you yeah. uh, saying recipes to Sean earlier, that's yeah, what I thought yeah, you yeah. were mentioning was, was, it was no, Sean Patrick no, O'Brien. Yeah. So that's, no. that's, that's where I was confused. So. Oh, no, it's okay. Uh, you know, Sean did a lot of our matches and always one of the most positive guys. Even if your match sucked the biggest pile of shit, he would go, oh, man, that was <laughs> awesome. And you'd be like, no, that wasn't Sean. But great guy. And, and you know, very valuable part of independent wrestling that is now, you know, missed and one of the biggest losses of the last year for sure. And a fantastic karaoke. If oh, you can okay. ever find any clips <laughs> of him singing, that guy could, that guy had some pipes. So yeah, rest in peace. I, I will see you at a B, uh, BLP Samilton. I'm going to be there to oh, punch nice. John Ross up in the face. Are you going to be his corner? You... Are you going to be his corner man? I, I don't, I want to, I don't want to like, it's not about me at all. I just want to like hit Sean just for all the years of like working for him, you know? So you, have like, to, so you, got, so you got to do the thing where Shaza puts his arms behind his back and lets the, yeah. So you got that's, you gotta that. that's what I want to do. He wants, yeah, I got, I got kids. I want the kids to like hit him as well. Like why, why are you making my stepfather work so often? Like, you know, there's like some payback there. So yeah, I that, that's what we need. <laughs> we, we need to we need to this is going to be booking in front of everybody if this winds up happening but you know denise got sean uh, you know at gcw yeah, low, low. you can get yeah. you, can, you can get sean at, at slambleton the next time sean's around atlanta i'll get him at an event and we can just okay. make it a thing where all the fightful people we get our boss over and over we can them up on, on camera Let's do it. That's what it's about, right? That's what it's about. Dom, thank you. Thank you again for joining us. All the links below uh, to, to support Dom and everything he's doing. Follow him to check out where it's going to GoFundMe um, for, for Caden's stepfather, or uh, sorry, grandfather um, is below as well. So everyone can, can donate to that. Dom, thank you again for joining us. Really appreciate it. And guys, we'll be right back here on the spotlight. <sighs> Big thank you to Dominic Garini joining us in the creator's spotlight. Very gracious with his time. Two-time guest, Dominic Garini, GCW Tag Team Champion, Dominic Garini. Guys, we appreciate all the support. I love, thanks for getting up early with us here on Thursday. We're going to be starting at 8.30 moving forward. Uh, so it's going to be early for everybody. Early one, early spotlight morning for everyone. But we appreciate everyone who tunes in, whether you're watching live and in the chat or whether you are hanging out with us uh, on demand, we'll say. Uh, on demand. Leave a thumbs up on the video. Uh, that, that, helps us, uh, that helps us immensely. 
Leave a thumbs up on the video. Subscribe to the channel if you've, you have not. Head over to FightfulOverbooked.com. Subscribe to that channel as well. It's kind of our sister channel. We have um, another morning live show that I do, 10 a.m. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, in the weeds, myself and Joel Pearl. We had Joey Janella on the show yesterday. We're scheduled to have Ricky Shane Page on the show tomorrow. So go check that out in the weeds on Fightful Overbooked. All the other great shows we have on Fightful Overbooked, including New Japan Bread Club. New episode went up this week with Matt and Karen looking at um, New Japan Lone Star Shootout and uh, New Japan. What was the other show that they reviewed? I've completely, completely blanked on uh, Power Struggle. New Japan Power Struggle, they also reviewed. It's bi-weekly, so they're, they're just catching up on Power Struggle and New Japan Lone Star Shootout. They reviewed that show as well. Uh, the final episode of Tag Talk aired on Monday with Haley and Kylie. Everyone go check out that show. Uh, shout out to Haley and Kylie, who are always doing great work. We've done great work for New, uh, for New Japan, for Fightful Overbooked. Uh, support them and, and everything that they do. Tag Talk will, at least for it, we'll, we'll, we'll say taking a break. You never know. You never know when it'll it'll come back. And then we have coexisting Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern with Rob and Maggie. Everyone check out coexisting on Fightful Overbook. Go over there. Get a lot of stuff on that channel. A lot of stuff over there. Guys, we'll be back next week, 8.30 a.m. Eastern with the spotlight. Myself, Steven Jensen, will be looking back at full gear. We'll be talking about war games and anything else happening in the world of wrestling. Everyone enjoy the wrestling this week. Uh, I know Collision and SmackDown are head-to-head tomorrow night, so don't get caught up in the nonsense. Just enjoy enjoy the wrestling that you're watching. All right, Enjoy full gear this weekend. Whatever you're watching, whatever wrestling you're watching, enjoy it. Everyone have a good weekend. Talk to you all next week. Bye, everyone.